0: Hey it's comedian Trent McClellan and you're listening to my podcast called The Generators. Every single week I have a cool guest and we talk about life, professions, creativity, success, failure, and all sorts of other cool stuff. In every single one of these conversations I learn a great deal and I'm pretty sure you're going to learn a great deal too. So uh, hang on tight and thanks for listening to The Generators. Welcome to Episode 7 of The Generators with Trent McClellan. I'm uh, recording this introduction in Katy, Texas, just outside of Houston, at my good friend's house, um, Scott and Susan Murphy. They've been nice enough to have me down here a thousand times over the last 12 months, but uh, I'm back here. and um, So recording that from uh, the lovely guest bedroom that they've provided for me. Um, and I love coming to Houston. Beautiful place, extremely hot. Uh, humid, um, but it doesn't affect the people here. They just seem very friendly. I, I'd be very irritable. Um, I think if I lived in this heat constantly, but, uh, they manage it quite well. So anyway, hope you're well and that the weekend was great and that you're having a good Monday or whatever day of the week you're listening to, uh, this actual episode on, um, what's going on with me, man. I, I'm well, the reason why I'm down here in Houston is because I'm going off to Austin. Texas this week, the home of barbecue and, uh, going to be playing the, the, the Velveeta room. That's a lot of words to say. Um, a lot of syllables rather the Velveeta room, um, in Austin this Friday and Saturday. And, uh, I played that room before. It's a funky little smaller room right on six there, um, where all the madness goes on and people get marinated with alcohol pretty much and wandering up and down the streets. And then they, some of them go into a comedy show, uh, quite frankly. And, uh, I've been there, I've been there once before and it was really fun. It was a, it's a really sweet, cool room. And, uh, I like Austin. It's an interesting, funky vibe there. Um, so looking forward to getting back there and playing there Friday, one show on Friday at nine o'clock and another two shows on Saturday, I think at nine and 11 at The Velveeta Room, and you can go to com to get tickets if you want to check that out. God, it would be so nice to see you. You could say, hey, heard about it on the podcast, didn't even know it existed, didn't even know who you were. Bam, here I am. Now we're shaking hands and and, and doing pleasantries to one another. So it'll be great. What else have I got going on? I got a few weeks break after that, um, after these shows in Austin, and then I hit The Rock again, back to Newfoundland for a big show August 9th at the Stephenville Arts and Culture Center. You can go to the Arts and Culture Center website and get tickets for that. Opening that show for me is the incredibly talented Bailey Jordan Neal, who also opened for me in Cornerbrook last time I was there. Kid is super talented. You're going to love him off the top. I think it's a great little um, mixture of some live music. And then you got me slinging foolish, ridiculous thoughts for an hour after that. So... Come check Bailey out, man. He's uh super, super talented, got a real passion for music, um, self taught. And uh I just when he's on stage I just hang out in the wings and watch him and just watch him do his thing. So great. So come check out that show, August ninth in Stephenville. Um still tickets remaining, so you should you should come out to it. Come on out and have a laugh, listen to some great tunes, feel good about your about your night. You know what I mean? Check that out. You should so do it. Uh I want to give a shout out too, to a good friend of mine, Ali Hassan, is doing a show this Friday in St. John's, Newfoundland at the LSPU Hall. Uh, this coming Friday. I think that's the 14th is it of um of the July twenty seventeen. Uh Ali's a really good friend of mine. He's done everything there is to do in in, in stand-up comedy in <laughs> Canada, done all the major comedy festivals. He has been an actor on numerous shows uh, throughout Canada. He's also been the guest host of Q on CBC Radio, does a fantastic job on that. And uh, Ali was also the host of Canada Reads this year and did a fantastic job on that. So incredibly talented guy, very, very funny, super smart. And uh, I consider him a very good friend and he's bringing his show Muslim interrupted to the SPU hall this Friday. So you should check that out. Bring a crew. You're going to laugh your ass off all night. You're going to go, man, how did we not know but this dude? You know, So show them if you're in a St. John's area or surrounding area how much you support stand-up comedy and when great acts come through. And that's how you do it. You know, I tell people this all the time. When someone comes through, whether it's a musician or a comedian, someone that you, you have an interest in in that field, you should go check it out because it just encourages more acts to come through Word comes gets through the whole community and, and people go, Oh yeah, people come to those shows in St. John's, you should go do one and then more acts come to your town and do those shows. That's how it works. So get out and support Ali um at his show this uh this Friday at the L S P U Hall in the Saint John's, Newfoundland, and uh he would love to see you. And then you can say hello from me. You can go, Hey, same thing. Trent told me to come on down to this thing. So glad I did. You're hilarious, dude. I really uh I really appreciate it, you know, so uh, you should, you should just do, that's a thing you should do, you'd feel good about it, you know, you'd feel good about it, so, um, so just, so just do it, you know what I mean, um, it's not that hard, you get out, you move your feet, you shower if you want to shower ahead of time, and then out you go, out at the door, you're at the door, you're halfway there now, you know what I mean, now you just got to get to the venue, boom, you're there, you sit there, you listen, you smile, your ears are open, Comedy goes into your ears. Now you're laughing. You're like, how'd this happen? You know? Earlier I was just gonna sit on the couch and eat Doritos. Now I'm here watching this amazing comedy show. That's how it works. It's that simple for you, you know? So so get out and make that happen. Um I'm trying to find a link here for you for uh Ali's show so you guys have it. Uh what is it here? It's um it's coming up. My phone is in the America. Um, And so it's trying to find, it's probably trying to get a visa. The signal from my phone is trying to get a visa right now so it can get into the country. There it is. It just arrived, stamped by Immigration Canada. Um, There it is, Immigration USA. I have rca.nf.ca slash event Ali Hassan. So check that out. Go see my boy Ali. You will not regret it. Uh, This week's episode of The Generators, episode seven. Can you believe it, guys? We've come so far. From when episode one, you know, wish you had some great montage background music to play right now just go, ah, yeah, we'd cry, we'd hold each other. It'd be amazing. Um, Episode seven is Judy Gabriel. So I reached out to Judy. I met her years and years ago when I was doing a a week of um, some remote stuff for breakfast television in Calgary. And uh, so I only met her once briefly, but I reached out to her about doing the podcast and she was like, sure, I'd love to do it. And, uh, we sat down and had an incredible chat and it was our second chat. I'll explain why, uh, in the, when you listen to the episode, but it was our second chat actually, but she's one of these people that you can just talk to forever. She's had such an incredible life thus far. Um, born in Ethiopia and then, uh, was a refugee to Canada from Ethiopia as her and her family fled. So we get into that a little bit and then she began a career in television starting kind of just in front of the camera, um, working, you know, a multitude of different shows and being uh, an entertainment reporter and an anchor and all these things. And just, uh, and just worked her ass off in the business, trying to learn everything she could. And now has got her own media company, um, kind of a production company where she's, she's doing her thing. And something she always wanted to do was kind of control, you know, every single aspect of, of what was going out there and the vision of it. And now she's doing that. So she's got a company uh, called Hot Biz Media and uh, they're doing really well. So she's kind of run the full gamut of everything there is to do in the business and has some great insight as to uh, how she kind of navigated her way. And we get in some deep stuff about just life in general and, uh, and trying to find your way when, you know, especially when you're, you're blazing your own trail and you're, being somewhat of an entrepreneur and going out into the world and doing your own thing. It's, it's hard. It's not always easy. And, uh, it's quite easy to kind of just follow the crowd. But you know, if you're true to yourself, you kind of go, got to go off on your, on your own and go your own way. So she has some really, really good thoughts on that. And, uh, like I said, man, the conversation just flowed and we, this is one of the longer, um, interviews that I did and we probably could have talked for another bunch of hours. So, I hope you really enjoy this one. Um, a lot of takeaways from it, and uh, I'll leave that up to you to do. But I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think you're really going to like this one. And uh, I learned a lot just by talking to her, which is why I started the podcast in the first place. What can I learn? How can I grow? How can I evolve? You know? And look at me. Look at me now. Evolving. Growing. Not the same person I was seven episodes ago. You wouldn't even recognize me if you met me now. You're like, who is... Who's this new dude, you know? So, uh, so yeah, I think you're really going to love the episode. Um, and give me some feedback on it. You can write me at Trent at Trent's com. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Also, uh, if you can give this a review and a rating on iTunes, I would love that. It'd be fantastic for you to take those two seconds to do that. That would mean a lot to me. I would really appreciate that feedback thus far has been really, really great. Thanks to everyone who's been, uh, let me know, and who's been listening out there? I really appreciate it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, keep doing that and spreading the word. I really appreciate that. So this is uh, this is it. This is my talk with uh, with Judy Gabriel, and uh, hope you enjoy it. You have a good day out there. All right, just listen to this. Let it help you. All right, let it let it help you grow and evolve. You can do it. You can so do it. All right. So, anyways, let's sit back, listen to this great chat with Judy Gabriel. All right
1: down good lord baby got him open all over town strictly bitch, she don't play around cover much ground got game by the town. getting paid is a forte each and every day to play away i can't get her out of my mind i think about the girl all the time
2: east side to the west side pushing pad ride. Right.
0: Oh yeah, okay, I'm here, yes, with Judy Gabriel. How are you?
3: I'm well. Thank you so much for coming
0: back. Full disclosure, listeners... Trev McClellan is not tech savvy, and Judy met me in a coffee shop last week. Amazing conversation. I know. Wasn't it good? It was really good. I don't know if we can top that. And then I listened to it back, and it was like, it sounds like I'm on a subway car, and it's just every fourth syllable. I was like, this is not something I can put out in the world. This <laughs> no. It's just not. It was just a horrible production. Yeah. I forgot to press a button, everybody. Don't judge me. You've done it. You've probably done it. You ever, you ever, you ever think you're boiling the kettle and you're wondering why it won't boil, and you ever realize you didn't put the button down. <laughs> and you're like, that's yeah, that's what I did, but just that's with recording with another it's, human being. Yeah, so. and then I had
3: to travel out of town basically to come to you.
0: <laughs> <And then laughs> like,
3: you, you stayed this? overnight? You, I did. You stayed overnight yeah. on, McLeod, <laughs> on McLeod. And you,
0: uh, I'll pay for your hotel and I'll pay for uh, your lodging. You, you should come like here. So, so that's so, good. So we're doing it, at Shea McClellan right now. So thank you for coming back. I do appreciate
3: Any it. Anytime, it's fun talking to you. So I'm glad. I'm glad it happened because you know other things i'd like to talk there
0: about. you go there's a, that's what you i know, thought about after so actually much. it kind of works out because there's like there's a million things we did not talk about yeah there was and um and fascinating things actually i wanted to ask you about this i saw i think i follow you on instagram Uh-oh. and i saw <laughs> why are, are there things there i'm there? uh no i'm
3: getting <laughs> i'm pretty clean You're it's, like, pretty no, it's good. good it's good it's good yeah there's well, some people have right. another
0: personality on instagram like they're like i'm like who, who is, is that? that person yeah no i have the same personality really And what I saw was, the reason why I mentioned it is because um, you were working out. You were doing some type of exercise. Yes, I was. (laughs) Are you... (laughs) You're like, did you just pat yourself did on the back? You, yes, did you just I did. Yes, a, I you're did. darn you just, right, I did. It's torture. It torture is. trying to get out there and work oh, out. Oh, man.
3: But I do it anyway because I, I need to get in shape. I need to feel good, right? Yes. So what's, what's your question anyway? The question,
0: <laughs> is, the question is, are you a morning workout person? Is that part of your morning ritual? I've been really I, sorry questioning. question You
3: know what? Is, no, no, that's good. I get it. And I love working out in the morning. I like getting up in the morning and feeling that energy because yeah. my blood is pumping through my body and I feel like my brain can really think, I wake up groggy. Like I'm a happy person in the morning, Right. but I, I feel like when I go for a run and work out and do something in the morning, I feel like it starts my day off, right? And sometimes I can't do that because it just depends. If we have cl- I have clients and stuff and things to do in the morning, then I'll do it later on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I get that freedom to be able I
0: to. love doing it too. Like yeah. I find um I've been listening to this girl named Mel Robbins and she's big on this 5 second rule yeah. about when you know you should do something and just counting 5 almost like a, a yeah. rocket ship going into space and then you launch. Yeah. But I love doing that in the morning even when I'm tired because then it's done and it's out of the way Huge. and I can't talk myself out of it because yep. if I don't do it in the morning, it's amazing the excuses I will invent <laughs> to go. <laughs> well, I mean, figure now it's going to be super busy or well, I mean, uh, tomorrow I'll go super hard. I'll yeah. just make up for it. Yeah. It'll be an amazing workout. World. Yeah, like it's right? uh, the amazing the, the uh the bargaining yeah. you do.
3: Mine is about straightening my hair. It's really straight right now, so maybe after work, <laughs> right? After work comes and I'm like, there's so much going on Okay, I'm not <laughs> in alone. the street, yeah. Black women and their hair, right? Yeah, their hair, it's, it's either a I big get deal. the big afro in the morning. Yeah. Parts of it anyway, and then the rest is straight. So it doesn't <laughs> look
0: right. But I'm like, I'm with you. Like, I think it energizes me in the morning. I feel like, okay, I've already accomplished this thing. And just, I find I have energy for the rest of the day. I'll hit a wall later in the day where I'm like, okay, now I'm a little fatigued. But like, this morning I went, I worked out. And then I did a spin class after that. Nice. And I was like, but here's my problem. I'll like, I joking to you about patting yourself on the back. I'll be like, well, that's pretty much enough working out for <laughs> four or five days. Yeah. Like I basically did two workouts in a day. Like that's the voice going on in my head right yeah. now. As opposed to, wow, great start. Let's yep. keep this momentum going. Yep. You can, that's the standard you should set every day you totally. go. Yeah. No, no, that's good. That's Look at me.
3: good. You know what's funny? The other day I worked out, I ran and then I went to this area where it's like, it looks like a little park for kids, but it isn't. It's a workout gym. Oh, cool. Outside. And that's so that's the photo every, I think I saw yeah, actually. Yeah, and was... every neighborhood should have this because you can do a whole circuit. I do a whole circuit outside that's awesome. in the middle of the field, I run to it, do the you know, three minutes, three minutes, three minutes on each one. Awesome. And then I run again and I try to hit a hill. Right and then oh, I wicked. know that I've done something good. But it's yeah. not always like I puff and puff like an old lady boy. <laughs> 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 but I'm like I did it I feel good you know that kind of thing yeah, it, yeah. It, like
0: it, it's so funny it's like uh, I heard Louis CK actually he he's a big believer in boxing for training because yeah. he thinks there's a real parallel to stand up like you're kind of fighting for yourself and it's like you're taking blows yeah. and you got to fight back yeah but the other thing he says he does when he runs is he won't uh, use headphones because he feels like that's that's cheating in cheating. a way because you're focusing on the music yeah. and I, I've gone to a gym right realize I don't have my iPod and yeah. I'm like well I might as well just go home <laughs> This is half the reason I come is to listen yeah, to tunes. listen
3: to the music, right? <laughs> to like, pump you up. I, I listen to motivational stuff sometimes, but yeah, I, I, I blast it out loud, and it's on my phone, and I'm running on the street, and people are looking, and it's like, you can do this, this is the, you know, that kind of thing, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, yes, I can, yes, I can, yeah. right? I go all the way, and then the music turns off because I've gone too far. <laughs> no more Wi-Fi. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay I can't even like I walk for a little while <laughs> until yeah. the music comes back on yeah. so I get it but it's not even music it's like just that motivational thing that you're the you're the you know you're the thing you're you're yeah. it, this is it for you you know kind of feeling well
0: you unlock that thing whatever that is that other level that yeah. you can go to and we've all hit it in the gym or in life in general yeah and I find music helps me go to that place but I got like you don't focus on the pain as much in the work. You're focusing on like your real motivation or goal for yep. doing it, yep. and that allows you to do it. But yep. it's it's like because you said you played basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so
4: yep.
0: when I when I played sports and stuff in high school and university, like I mean, you had a coach in your face. Like your comfort zone was none of their business. They didn't totally. care about what you were comfortable doing. It's like right. you're gonna run these lines, and if you need to go throw <laughs> up in the corner, then you know what? These lines will still be waiting for you There's when you still come a, back. Yeah. Like. And it's like if you can apply that to your life in general, like there's some real value in that. Like no. just, I don't really care that you're in the mood or, yep. you know. So, like, did you, do you think you, take, you took anything from your days playing definitely, sports or anything that you plugged in?
3: Definitely. I was, you're going to laugh at this, but I was an athlete of the year every year. Get out. And I was MVP and I was the captain of my basketball team and I was point guard. So, but it took me a while to get to that, and I learned, you know, it was a coach, an amazing Mrs. Hunt, her name, and she used to help me with school because I was really bad in English. Terrible, terrible, because I was just learning the English language here, right? I was a refugee girl, right? Right. And I learned how to play, like, I just had this skill, just... You can, I can see it and I can do it, but she sat with me and she would help me through my school and she would say, okay, you're going to do this for me, right? You're going to win us like championships, right? (laughs) Right. So, but every day I would be disciplined enough to get there early in the morning and shoot hoops every morning. It would be the same thing. We didn't have a car. I didn't have much money because we weren't like wealthy. We didn't have any money, right? We were in the enforced lawn. And so I would take the bus and I would get there early in the morning and I learned discipline then. I knew that I had to push myself beyond what my coach was pushing me to do stuff. So I learned that kind of stuff back in the day. So, yeah, I learned a lot about, you know, making sure that it was me against myself right? and me getting better. And I wanted to win that championship. And I wanted her to teach me English really well. <laughs> I wanted to pass. Really... Right. So I had a motivation. Yeah. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. That's a cool story because, yeah, I think I look back on my university days and yeah. playing soccer and stuff and mm-hmm. I'm like – you know, like hours and hours every week. And yeah. you're setting goals. And then, you know, every go- every week was a goal, playing against this other team. And then you would either you hit the goal or you wouldn't hit the goal. You got to regroup the next week. Yeah. You start it again. And I'm like, like if I took that out and applied it to, especially life and entertainment, like there's so many parallels to that. Like, yeah. oh, let me guess. You wanted to win the championship? Well, guess what? There's 12 other teams that also want to win the championship. Yeah. And they're also working hard. Yeah. And they're also talented. Yeah. So this sense of... Um, of entitlement I think was Mm -hmm. was run out of me then like it's kind of like all right well yeah we have to do all this work in preparation just for the shot to win it yeah that's just to put us in the race for this thing and there's no promise of that like that's a lesson that I think I only learned through sport early on
3: and sport teaches you a lot of stuff whether you're going through whatever you're going through I mean I went through a lot of different things in the sense of being a young uh, Ethiopian Eritrean black female that came from Africa that was just trying to survive Right. To begin with just learning the the English language. But at the same time, I think sports in general gave you that feeling that you can do whatever you want to do as long as you have control of your own life. Right. And so that that also instilled a lot of discipline in ways that I I used later on in my life and was able to do things with, you know, with my career and my business and all those kinds of things. Right. So but I think sports is key for everybody to just learn not just discipline, but just even eye-hand coordination, just body stuff, right? I mean, yeah. all of those things play upon whatever you do in life. Whatever uh, decisions you, you know, whatever you're doing, it'll yeah. help you, right? I agree. I totally agree. Yeah.
0: I talked about this on a former, on a, a previous podcast. Yeah. I had a soccer coach, Tommy Whelan Jr., who coaches the Foothills under-23 team. So in this professional development league now that goes, they play teams in the States, and they're doing really well. They're in mm-hmm. first place. And uh, we talked about that, and I it was weird. Like you get kind of psychoanalytic about it. Like I think back to my childhood, and how uh, like my childhood was scrambled, and my grandparents were raising me, and life's all fluttered. And I realized I put way too much value into soccer because I would go to a field by myself or mm-hmm. pound a ball off a wall for an hour, controlling yeah. it and doing my own drills. Because like that gave me control in my yeah. life. It was yeah. like if I can do this well, and then of course with that came when you became good in a sport, you also got a status with that. So now you're the first person picked and now suddenly you have a level of popularity you didn't have before because you have this ability. So it was, I think now when i look back on it it was a real sense of uh control like mm-hmm. gaining control in my life i'm like yeah. this at least i don't have control about the rest of it all but yep. this if i can make this ball do what i want yep. then with that comes a certain level of power with yeah. it yeah
3: and i understand that aspect of control because we you know like i told you before i think from the other conversations we've had by the way guys that will be released <laughs> yes, in 14
0: years <laughs> once technology is suited that <laughs> can actually doctor some that Some good and stuff that, in yeah. there boy. honestly okay. some gold oh, i feel so bad
3: so I, I, I almost lost my train of thought, but um, coming from a background of being a refugee, remember I think we talked about the yeah. fact that you know, I come from uh, Ethiopia. We were, you know, ran away from Ethiopia and then ended up you know, going to uh, Kenya where there was a refugee camp there, and then we ended up living in Nairobi, Kenya as well. And man, oh man. You know, I learned even when we were little, there was always sports. Even during that time, there was always sports. You know, there's always things that, but my life seemed chaotic, you know, like, you know, my life was, you know, at a a young age, I had this backdrop of war, you know, that was my life right? Right. and running from that kind of stuff. So I, you know, I, my imagination was crazy, right? I created a lot of stuff in my brain to overcome whatever we were going through. And we moved so many places and so many, uh, you know, different things that we had to do that you were right about control. I felt out of control. I felt like I needed that aspect of my life to, to, I needed something that it was tangible for me to say, I'm doing this. This is who I am. This is what I do. Right. Right. And I think sports became easier because the language was a little harder for me. Right. Right. So, but sports did that and I think gave me that, Control in the the same way as you, right
0: in yeah, in a sense of consistency yeah, yeah, a sense of consistency too, totally. like everything else is in flux, mm-hmm. but you knew that sport was going to be there for you all the time yeah. it may look yeah. different, and the players may be different, but you 're like, this I know yeah. this is something I can just yeah. plug myself into, and there 's an escapism yeah. in that right yeah. there's Huge. an actual ability Huge. i think yeah, I think I did that a lot too it 's so funny because i i was i was uh you know I was a really intense player and stuff, and it wasn 't until I got older no. that I learned, looked back and went, oh dude, like to these other guys, yeah. this is just a game out in the field. To me, it's like this is who I am, and this is like control and power, and you're not going to take this from me. Like it was all personal. Totally, I get um, that. Like what? I get that. You know, but that's a lot of weight to carry.
3: To a little person with this big weight on you. Yeah. People Are like I?
0: what's uh, what's wrong with number five? Why is he yeah, so upset? Aggressive. And off the field, of course, I was like, I am now. That's like I good was good. like very nice yep. and uh, yep. amicable and whatever. Like. <laughs> I know, is that the same guy that we played against uh, two weeks ago who wanted to kill everybody? Yeah. Like, it was just. Right? And it wasn't, yeah, until I got older that I kind of looked back and was like, oh, I think that's what all that was about. Yeah. It was like, it was way too personal for me. Yeah.
3: And for me, too. And for me, too. I think, but that's probably why, I don't know if you did really well in that, but I, I went far. You yeah. know, and I even played the women's league here. I mean, that's not a big deal. Crushing then, it, crushing it. Crushing it. The, and yeah. then ran track for Spartans Track Club, running different, you know, yeah, speeds or whatever. And. I think that that I I took it per- when you say personal I get it I get it cuz it's an emotional connection for me and I did everything that e- way yeah including fighting with people yeah <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did a lot too. of that and I don't know why. People just wanted to fight with me and yeah, I didn't like, want to fight with them. Bring it. But you know, it happened. You were a kid and you yeah. had to defend yourself and, and learn all of yeah. that kind of stuff. It, but
0: yeah, you're so right. It's like no. but I, I kinda look back on it now and I can laugh, but at the time I'm like, man, there's some stuff I yeah. I should probably apologize for what I said for to what? some referees <laughs> over the years, like really is that the same guy up on stage now telling jokes about whatever like burgers it's like because he was pretty intense dude playing but but the minute the game was over i could just shut it off i was like yeah that's over but it was it was like i was a different person like i look back and go man that i don't even know who that guy was half the time but he was he was still a kid he was still a kid i think who again was like okay this is my thing Mm -hmm. and so a call going against me or um you know having Mm -hmm. an off day or whatever like that i would be in I'd be in a dumps for two days, oh, like I was just God. devastated. Yeah, you know, right. so it wasn't that joyous thing. Like, isn't this beautiful? Road beautiful? field, yeah. kicking <laughs> yeah. a ball. I'm like, yeah, we got to win this shit. Yeah, okay. Here's why this we got to win this death, shit. Man? This is like we <laughs> get, we can't let them score. Don't even let them touch it. Why are you smiling right now? Like I was literally <laughs> that guy, like teammates. Uh, like, oh, yeah, this is right? this used to be fun till he yeah. showed up. So. he showed up. So Too it's, serious. What's now? his issue? It's yeah.
3: not it funny how you were that serious and now you're a comedian. It's hilarious. Like it's such a.
0: It's the weirdest thing. Like I. Yeah, because, like, after our amazing first conversation that you'll never hear, guys, um, <laughs> I, I thought about it after, and I was like, I was like, I think it's, like, maybe because of childhood stuff yeah. and then this soccer thing. And then there was, like, I think I needed to go through all that to get to this point in my life, well, I guess it would have been 13 years ago to start mm-hmm. stand-up, to get to a point where I'm like, oh, I see all the reasons for all that stuff now, and I can take the best of all that and the lessons from all that. And go forward into this life but i needed to go through all that stuff to get yeah. to, i because i i used to beat myself up i don't know if you did this mm-hmm. i used to beat myself up about man if i would have started stand-up when i was 20 where would i be now mm-hmm. but then i go hold on a second if i would started when i was 20 i'd be in a ditch right now yeah. like i would have been would have been too much booze and drugs and i wouldn't have any discipline <laughs> i've been like this really? is not free Tana's really i can just have that if i want it like <laughs> that's so that's i needed crazy. to get to a yeah. point where i'd live some life yeah and i'm like okay i've been yeah. through a few things yeah so for you like did you did you feel that too? Did you feel any kind of sense of like, okay, this was the road to here. Like yeah. I needed all those things to oh, get this Oh, for sure.
3: One. I think at that time I didn't know. At that time I had, you know, dreams of becoming like a superstar. Right. You know, that's what you think. Yeah. And, and it was survival for me you know, during that time when I was in my teens, it was survival. Yeah. Because, you know, I I fought every day. You know, I went to school, three o'clock hit. I hated the the clock saying three o'clock because I knew kids were waiting for me outside <sighs> lined up in a in a row going, Fight, fight, fight and wow. I was like, Oh my God, who I <laughs> I don't know about this Right. And I had like pigtails, my mom would, you know, braid my hair on but anyway it would lead me down those little path and I would get my ass whooped. You know, and every day I would come home, my hair was, you know, the braids were out. I would go home and I would run. So I was a sprinter. I thought I was like this speedy, like bullet, you know, running home, right? (laughs) Anyway, when I got home, my father eventually got tired of it. And I'm telling you a long story, but anyway, my father would get tired of me coming home and he'd open the window and be like, you're not coming in. You're not coming in basically until one day where... He decided, okay, I'm going to come in. I had, like, bruises. M- my lip was bleeding, and I fought. I yeah. fought my fight. Boy. <laughs> and then I sprinted home, and I had basketball that time, too. And so I was in this world of, you know, I wanted when – when you said control, it really hit home for me because that's control in my own self, right? My life and everything that was going on and trying to understand everything. Anyway, so I'd, I'd be there. My father finally decided, okay, I'm going to open the door, go upstairs. He tells me go wash your face i go wash my face it's burning because i got like little cuts everywhere right. and then i come downstairs i'm like i'm so hungry i just want to eat some food and i just i just want love i just want to be hugged <laughs> like, fighting fighting is exhausting i need exhausting. nutrition to get
0: yeah. replenished the fuel
3: for the tomorrow right <laughs> anyway bad. but get this so he hands me boxing gloves and he goes in the back so he takes me to the back i walk outside and guess why I see? My two brothers and my sister. My little sister is just like, oh, come on. We can, you know, do this, whatever. And they've got boxing gloves. And finally, my father said, no more will your face get hit. You're going to learn today what to do to defend yourself. Wow. And I remember that day punching, you know, uppercuts and just like just learning how to box every day. Every day I would get into a fight, I would <laughs> run home. <laughs> like, go upstairs. Yeah. The whole routine. You know the deal. Get the pack, you know the drill. Right? Mm-hmm. And so finally, I just learned how to move. I learned how to protect my face. And I learned how to fight. So that was a dangerous person. Like, you don't <laughs> create. You know, like, how <laughs> to fight. Uh, she went home. She went to school and started, like, you know, fighting and winning and stuff like that. But anyway, but I think that he instilled something in me that day. And that was, don't just take things. Don't just do things as they come. Basically. Kids would lead you down, you fight, and right. then you come home. Learn how to do certain things to protect yourself so you can win. You can be a winner in life. Right. And that's the kind of stuff that he was instilling constantly. He's a military guy. <laughs> like right. just yeah. right? Hardcore, Hardcore, you come core, home, yeah. right? But I think, um, I forget the question you were asking me before, but I think that that kind of stuff is, is what I look back at, and I think all those things created the Judy that I am. Yeah. Does that make sense? In terms of whether or not my life started late, yes. I always thought that. I always thought, man, if I was, you know, if I started all of this stuff, where would I be now? You know, I started late in my career. Right. Right? So, but that was because I was just learning just who I am. I was very insecure in in the language. I was very insecure in a lot of different things. But I was tough and strong mentally in other ways, right? Yeah. And so it was is just a matter of like really finding my identity and my true self and learning and not being embarrassed about who I am as well too uh, as an Ethiopian Eritrean, you know, girl. Yeah. And being here and being black, which I never really thought about. I never yeah. thought I was black. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so black. People, yes, yeah, okay, yeah. thank for reminding me. I f- I forget. I always think I'm Judy. Right. And I, you know, and I'm gonna just do what I need to do to get to that point. But you know, there's a lot of stuff that I learned, and it took me a long time to get here.
0: So yeah, black, I th- yeah, I I, I can agree, associate with all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's funny you said the black thing because we got into this yeah. last time, and I. I think the same thing. Like, I think when I was a young kid, I, I obviously looked around and went like, oh, no one else here looks like me. And then yeah. my white grandparents are raising me and yeah. they don't look like me. And it's like, I am the only person who looks like this unless I turn on my television set and, and then there's people of color there. Yeah. So I went through that wave of feeling very outside, you know, kind of on the shore all the time. Yeah. You're never in the ocean. You're always yep. just on the shore periphery. Yep. And sports, I think, allowed me in yep. to get in. Yeah. But also... Then I went through a wave where I didn't think about it at all, so then I got to a level of high school where I kind of felt like I had friends and I was you know felt popular enough and all those things. I didn't think about it at all yeah. and then you know you get into entertainment and things, and so it would raise its head from time to time For and sure. so you're always kind of it's almost like a wave that you get on and off of yeah and but i've always been very cautious of not wearing those glasses mm-hmm. all the time especially with regards to failure just mm-hmm. so something that i wanted i didn't get and yeah. it's like i know some other people quickly will can go to well you know why that you didn't get that, didn't get that. and i'm like yeah. i can't live like that yeah. like that will, i won't get out of bed in the morning if yeah. i got to think that that's just the that's, the that's most people in the world in the world you know? and you're
3: right because <laughs> i felt the same way i woke up and i was like i was a nubian princess from ethiopia i was queen bee yeah. right <laughs> in made, my head crushing it. but but at the same time you're right until somebody said certain things, I remember being on the magazine, Calgary magazine, one of the back in the day, and they wanted to do a story. I mean, you know, the first time I got a job as a reporter, and I remember one of the girls going, why did they pick you? And I said, I don't know. I don't know why they picked me. <laughs> I'm right? yeah. um, exotic and interesting. I have yeah. no idea. I no, I don't know why. Right? Yeah. And uh, I was new. I think new face. It wasn't, they didn't mm-hmm. see my kind of you know whatever yeah. look. And whatever, my story was great to them. And um, so anyway, she had said, I wonder why they picked you. And I said, I I really don't know. uh, It's exciting. It's good, right? And I get a little story on there. And she said, hmm, why wouldn't they pick the main anchor? Why would they pick you? And I said, again, I don't know. I said, I really don't know. So finally, she's like, and then she sat back for a bit and then looked at me again and turned. And she's like, you know what? I wonder what they're going to call it. I said, I don't know again. She says, I bet they're going to call it Black Beauty. And I said, Black Beauty? Well, okay, that's a horse. Isn't that a horse? Black beauty. <laughs> <laughs> you like, really? I said, okay, okay, what, where is she getting at? And I realized the whole conversation. She said, well, you're the only black person here. And I said, she goes, well, it's not like a token. And I, and I said, huh, interesting. I never thought about that. I just thought I had a great story. Right. And I had this afro, okay, fine. But I had a great story, and that was all, about, all it was. And I remember looking at it for the first time, that's when I realized these, everybody looks at me at a, certain, a certain way, and I knew I was black. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I mean you're not say, I'm not saying, oh, I didn't know I was black. I lived in the black community. I get it. <coughs> I, I'm yeah. that girl, but I just don't walk through life thinking I'm getting opportunities or not getting opportunities based on who, what I look like or my skin. I just thought, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, yeah. you know, that's how I was. And my, when I go home, we don't talk about the fact that we were black. My f- parents went through a lot yeah. of racism, of course. And so did I, but I never, you're right. We, you don't think about that, whether or not, you know, you, you were raised in a white family, meaning your both your grandparents were white. Yeah. My parents were Habesha black. Right. I mean, they looked mixed or whatever, but they were black. Yeah. Right. And I lived in that world. I came from a world where it was all black people. Yeah, I came to a whole new place. <laughs> yeah, but even then, I never felt. I just felt like I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it regardless of what happens. I never thought of those things. Yes, we. Yeah, it's weird. Like that. yeah.
0: Uh, that's so cool because yeah. I I feel the same thing too. Where I I know my mind could have went there, and it would have mm-hmm. been a very different road for me, and yeah. I would have been a pretty bitter person. Yeah, but I realized. Like at some point in my life, I realized like everyone's got their thing, their struggle. Just because I don't see it on the outside doesn't mean it's not there. And it's funny because I I, comedians talk about this all the time. I talk about, you know, um, and, and you you know, you're involved in entertainment. So maybe Mm. it's the same thing for you. People think sometimes that there's a, a level you get to where like the struggle ends and there's no everything. All doors open for you now and it's all access. And I was telling this comedian who was really upset about not getting some shows or whatever. And I went, this is the deal. Like, mm-hmm. the, like I, I understand your pain, and I feel it, but I'm telling you right now, and my favorite saying this year has been, another level, mm-hmm. another devil. Yeah. Like, I don't care what level you're at, yeah. Brad Pitt's out there in the world somewhere going, I don't want to play these roles anymore. Yeah. I want to play some Elizabethan thing, and people are like, "Sorry, Brad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?" Yeah. Now, no one feels b- bad for Brad because he's a millionaire and of he's Brad course. Pitt. Yeah. But like, everyone's got a thing where like you just can't get what you want, and so especially in entertainment, I feel like that is part of the deal. Like it when is. you sign on for this. Yeah. Guess what? Yep. It's not all coming the way you want it or when you want it, yep. and it may not come at all. Yep. So when you're done complaining at this level, yep. we're waiting for you at the next level, and there's complaints going to be up here go- too. All the time. It, do you feel the same parallel? All the though? time.
3: Everywhere, every level I've been in uh, from the beginning when I started out to halfway through and I just you know, lost myself in a way because I was just kind of thinking, am, am I going to – You know, there are times where you question those things right? because people are in your face telling you you're not good enough. You know, and, and I think I got that as fe- uh, being a female on top of being a black female. But I always thought, that you're right in the sense of every level that I went to, I had a different beast to yeah. deal with. And I just knew, well, I'm going to have to overcome that. I'm yeah. going to overcome that one too. And I'm going to keep going because eventually this is going to stop. Yeah. But I never th- I never thought, oh, this is going to be another big battle I have to, to do. Oh, I'm going to coast. You know, I'm going to fight through this, and then it's going to be easier. I get there, and you, you face it, right? And and you're right. Every level was a hard level for me. Yeah. And yeah. it continues. It's not going to ever stop. No. Ever.
0: That's what I mean. Like, you literally buy and go, oh, okay, this okay. is the deal for yeah. the rest of my life. Yeah. Okay, until you quit. Like, yeah. that's how it ends. Yeah. But uh, I think that's part of entrepreneurship, too. Like, I would like to think that it's not just, exclu- <laughs> it's not just exclusive to – to be in an entertainment. I think mm-hmm. if you're an entrepreneur, I'm sure there's someone out there with a restaurant who's like, just getting the doors open yeah. was a battle. Just yeah. that's a four year long dream just to get to that point. Yeah. Then you open and now business isn't where you want it to be. Yeah. So that's another battle. And yeah. now there's a battle to think about, okay, we're doing so well, but do we expand? And mm-hmm. will that, like, that's what I mean. I think when you're doing something for yourself, mm-hmm. there's so many decisions. And I don't, This is another thing too yeah. I wanted to ask you is like, yeah. I went for a couple of years, the last few years actually where I felt this drowning sensation mm-hmm. because I felt like, as someone who's, in, I guess, I finally saw myself as a business person, like yeah. as an entrepreneur. But I I create for a living, but yeah. I had to accept that business side of things. And I felt like there's so much on my shoulders in terms of what I want to tackle comedically, how I want to go about my career. So I felt like the canvas was huge and it was overwhelming because mm-hmm. I was like, there's so many decisions to make, so many things to talk about, so many things to do, to not do, to say no to, to say yes to. It was overwhelming. Like, mm-hmm. I really felt like, I don't know if I can continue to do this at this, mm-hmm. pace. At this pace. Have you felt that for yourself as like, as yeah. a, you know, like with your own production company oh, and stuff definitely. now, it's like yeah. the world is whatever you want it to be. And totally. there's, there's beauty in that and yeah. freedom. But sometimes freedom's a horrible thing. we are <laughs> just like, like, oh my yeah, God, what, right? do do? What, what do we do and what do we not do?
3: Yeah. And, and I think when you've never, when you've jumped in headfirst, not taken the, uh, you know, the steps to, to get it done, because I jumped in thinking, I'm going to do this. And I went from television, reporter, anchor, whatever, into and then I hurt my back, right? And that's how I got into this. And when I started the business, I didn't um, organize it the way I should have. I just went in going, I have some creative thing to do, and I'm looking at the businesses that I've seen, and they've done well, and I'm going to do the same thing. And so when I got into it, I remember the, the dips of lows and the highs that I got. The highs were, hey, okay, just go and knock at someone's door, meaning businesses, and talk to them. And tell them you can do this. Whether or not you can or not, you're going to coast right through it. And that's me. I was like, you know, running through it thinking I can do this, believing in what I can do. But it was overwhelming because I thought they're going to ask me to do something bigger than I can. Right. Where do I, what do I say to them that I give them what I can give them and not more, right? And so I just went, yep, I, I can do that. Uh-huh. Yep, I can do that. And I wish sometimes I wish I never did because they expected Grandeur stuff. And thank God, knock on wood, they liked what I gave them because I put everything I had in it. But at the same time, I was overwhelmed by where I wanted this business to be and where I was. I was starting out with a tiny camera, you know, a tiny little microphone, a tiny, tiny, tiny stuff, everything. And I would go and I would see the the other person that's pitching the same thing and they've got equipment. (laughs) And it was like the equipment itself just said success. Yeah. Right, these are these are the people you want to go with, and I remember talking to my brother saying, "Man, I, I can't afford that just yet, but I know I can give them something bigger." Right, and I remember going through that, and so I would just say, "Okay, just bite your teeth, Judy, carry the stuff," and people are like, "So why why are you doing the video too? Are you shooting too? And you you doing all this stuff? You yeah. uh huh, yep yeah, yep." Yeah. And I'll clean the toilet too, but <laughs> I, I'm gonna keep going, right? Yeah. And and that's the the part where I would see myself where I was at. And I would envision this big place that I wanted to be. And I wanted to be in television. I wanted to do television. And I wanted to do other things. The business wasn't the only thing that I had. And my dreams were bigger than what I was doing. Right. To, to everybody else, so you're doing exactly, you know, this is it. But you're right. You, you struggled through that feeling of it gets heavy. And there were times where I, I decided that I can't handle it. There were yeah. times where I couldn't handle it because I didn't, I didn't think that I knew where I was going anymore. There are right. times where you go, okay, I've come this far. I don't even know where I'm headed. I don't even know about this business. Maybe I should just quit. Maybe I should just go and work 9 to 5 and just deal with my life yep. and, and let people take care of me. But there's that part of you inside of you that won't let you do that. Yeah. And you'll die and you'll be depressed if you don't go through this painfully to do it. And so that's what keeps me going. It's that hunger of I'm, I can't be a failure.
0: Yeah,
3: I can't fail. And not a failure in whoever's, you know, in people's eyes, but in, in myself and what I know I can accomplish. I have, you're right about the big, yeah. big, you know, big things on your shoulders. That's how I feel constantly.
0: Yeah, yeah. like just being true to your authentic self where you're mm-hmm. like, I know, I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah. I don't know what the steps what are going to be to get there, but yeah. I know I'm supposed to move in that direction. Totally. But that's terrifying because we come, like Seth Godin, I listen yeah. to a lot. Love I love Seth. He, yeah, yeah, I love him. Love, love and that. he talks a little bit about how, You know, but we come from a school system, right, where it's like, okay, know this information, regurgitate it back to me here, and you pass, you move on to the next level. So we're given all the information. We just had to 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 just recall it and say it back, and now that means you're intelligent and you pass and all those things. But, like, real learning is not happening in a map at all. It's like you literally just throw yourself into it, and now you have to figure out how this works and how that works. Mm -hmm. I think – when you're true to yourself, especially when you're in a creative field, that's what it is. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know at the mm-hmm. end of the day what, I mean, you pour your heart and soul into documentaries mm-hmm. and working for clients. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there's still just an element of, I don't know, Exactly. you know, but yeah. you, I think over time it does get a little easier to accept that. To okay. Ex- this is who this, this is just the life it is.
3: Yeah, it is, And also the affirmation, not affirmation, but someone, um, aff- is it affirming that you're, you're doing a good job? Yeah. Validation. Uh, validation. Yeah. And I think that also had something to do with my, at the very beginning. Now I don't care. Yeah. Now I've come to that point where I know what I've accomplished. I know that I can do 26 episodes of a TV station, uh, TV show and not feel like, you know, I not feel like, Oh, I need everybody. I knew that I could accomplish it myself because I went through it. I went through it, crying through it yeah, yeah. and knowing that I can accomplish that. But Um, I didn't need validation from people anymore. Whereas at the very beginning, I I looked at you and I wanted to know because I didn't want to give up my product. I was like, okay, do they like it? And after I left, I was sick, sick. Like I couldn't sleep because I gave it to you and I wanted to hear you say, hey, Judy, this is awesome. But that's not the case. I think when you do your work and you put your head down and you just accomplish it, it is a painful journey sometimes. Sometimes you're in that dark spot by yourself. Nobody, There's no light. Nobody's going to shine any light on the, on the tunnel for you where you're headed. You just go. Yeah. You just go through the trenches of pain and, and whatever journey you're going through because you know every time I did that for myself, I knew that I had this other strength that came in. It was the, the way my brain was able to, to you know, challenge uh, not challenge but my brain was able to help me get through even more challenging things that came into my life later on right right and so that i think you know that's the most important thing i think when you're when you're doing that but yes you're Uh -uh. right you get through a lot of painful things that you want to quit and you want to do this but it you have to go through that fear and that pain in order to understand that you can do this again yeah it's a sweet bitter sour feeling but yeah. it's sweet at the same time yeah. it's like your muscles when you're working out you know you got to keep going yeah right it's it hurts it's, it's painful th- but it's that sweet pain you call it yeah yeah sure. it's sweet pain this is like, so this that's is the same this, thing with this it hurts it, it hurts so bad it yeah. feels good yeah
0: because you yeah you've been through it enough that you know there's that good things know. on the other side of yeah. it but it's so hard for people starting out to to just have that faith that a the faith in themselves yeah. that they can do this Number because one. you're walking into an unknown world. Number and of one. course that's not, we're not designed to do yeah. that. We're designed to play it safe, be yeah. scared all the, time, all the time, follow the crowd, all yeah. those things that's yeah. in our DNA, I think, yeah. you know? So yeah. for me as a comedian, <clears throat> like all of my friends that I grew up with, none of them want to be a comedian. Yeah. So I, I was like, well, I guess I just go to sure. school and I get a job and we all meet on Saturdays and yep. drink and talk about how miserable we are. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, Monday, right? I'm like, oh, this, this is it for the rest of our lives. Really? And then hopefully, we live to retirement age and we yeah. get to complain then for. So I didn't, I really was like, I don't know. And I, that was the same thing. I thought there's got to be something more. More. And I just realized I was a little bit different than everybody else, like in physical appearance, but also just yeah. in life in general. I just think I looked at the world different. And then once I had this moment when I went on stage, I told someone else this. The minute I walked off stage, my first time as a stand up, it was like this epiphany type moment of like, there you, go. there you go. You All the other things in your life that didn't make sense made sense in that moment. I like doing this. I'm like, this is what you were supposed to do. And I don't know if everyone has that moment in yeah. their lifetime. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you have a moment where you Definitely. went like, Oh, this is like the light bulb went off for you. Yeah.
3: yeah. I think a few, a few times, right. One was when uh, my first time that I was actually anchoring and my family was sitting at home and I was stumbling through it. And it was the first time I saw everybody in, in front of me. I think it was Dave Kelly, Jeb Fink, you know, Tara, all of them yeah. were in front of me and the cameras are, are shooting and I'm standing here thinking, holy Lord, I, I'm having an out of body experience. And I remember looking at everybody thinking, okay, somebody's talking in my ear, everything is moving. The words are moving from the screen and everybody's walking around and everybody's staring at me. And I thought this is, but it was weird because I felt like I was in my element for the first time. It didn't matter anymore, but I was nervous as hell. Like I wanted to run from that room and never come back. There was that part, fear, yeah. right? But I remember thinking to myself, that's the that's first time I ever felt like that. And I, I remember my parents, my whole family going, you did good, don't worry, you did good. I remember <laughs> stumbling through the words. I'm like, but this is good. It felt right. It felt like this is what I'm supposed to do. Whatever in that field, this is what I'm supposed to do. The second time was, I think, in front of s- 600 people and I had to emcee an event. And I remember coming in before everybody was there and just scouting around the, the room and standing there and feeling that room and absorbing whatever that room was and feeling like I'm supposed to do this. This is what I'm supposed to do. And when you feel like that, you really it, it's, it's a moment of um, it fills you. Yeah. i don 't know how to explain that, but it fills you somehow yep. you know you're gonna, you 're going to you don 't know which way you 're going and it 's scary and all that kind of stuff, but it fills you and you know this is what i 'm supposed to do, including you know doing documentaries and shooting that stuff you just learned those are tech technical right. stuff but Skills. when you 're talking about that feeling that moment that 's it
0: that's where i 'm supposed to be uh, yeah. I, that's cool. I heard this trick too that Liz Gilbert, she wrote to eat, pray, love and mm. a book that I love called big magic. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever read it or listened to it Didn't
3: read it, but I know what you're talking so about.
0: So good. Yeah. Just about where ideas come from. And, and I like, that's literally my Bible now. Like I just put it in the car. It's on my iPod all the time. So I listen to it, but, uh, she talked about, it. she was supposed to do this talk at one of these super soul Sundays for mm-hmm. Oprah.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So she goes, it's like a, an arena, like 18,000 people, 20,000 people. And she had rehearsed this talk, <clears throat> this speech story, and she she gets there to the event, and she's backstage, and she starts having that panic moment. I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Like, I'm an author whatever. And then she said a little trick she used was like, you know what? It's not – you're thinking about yourself right now. She goes, think about think all those I'm people sure. yeah. and the words you're going to deliver and how they're going to help them. And I – I kind of pull that for myself as a comedian when I go, when I'm not feeling totally energetic and in the mood, I often think like someone might have driven two hours to come see you. Someone had a shit week. Someone's going through a divorce. Someone's going through like whatever, and they need you to do just do what you do. What you say you're passionate about. That's all it. Can you do that? Can you just go up there and park your own bullshit and just go do what you're passionate about? (laughs) Can Can you do that? I'll give you my money. I'll give you my money to go up there and do that. that. It's like really, are you going to make this about you and stress? So when you rewire it that Mm -hmm. way, Mm -hmm. it's like there's not as much
3: anxiety, uh, anxiety
0: and, and, it's, about, yeah. and it's not about you anymore yeah. it's like oh okay this is about people need to laugh and so there is that greater purpose thing i think yep. that sometimes helps me get re-centered, re-centered and kind of not think about myself and my own whatever huge huge you know? and i think
3: you're right when you say that because w- when i get nervous is when i i've learned now i'm talking about myself and we can talk like this mm-hmm. before i used to have an out of body experience right. like i just sweat knowing that i have to actually talk about me myself and then you you realize that it, it's not about you anymore. I mean, you can talk; you're having a normal conversation, right? But it was this is through time that I'm here, right? Yes. But I think before I remember that feeling of I'm going to swallow my whole everything, right? I can't yeah. I can't even breathe, right? I can't even breathe being out here. And then you forget; you don't remember what you said when you're on stage. Right. That's when you know that you need to step back and see it for what you were talking about, which is look at the people and deliver what they are looking to to yep. gain from whatever you're bringing. And if it's your passion and if it's your love, for sure, I think when you get on stage, that's how you feel, right? Yeah. I feel like I, uh, I get on stage, it's a different feeling than I did when I was at the very beginning, when I started. When I started out, I was always nervous. I stumbled through everything and I just went, I can't wait till it's over. Yeah. But I loved it. Yeah. not weird. weird. I love that beating. Yeah. I like that feeling of like being Yeah. If someone's to say you're
0: not going to be able to do it anymore, you'd be devastated. You're but I in that be... moment, there's that sheer, sheer panic, panic and anxiety of yeah. like, oh my god, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. It's so But it's interesting.
3: Sh- you have to think about what people, what your audience. It's like in marketing, you have to think about what your audience and your target market is. Yeah. Right? Then you deliver that message towards them. Same thing with you doing your presentations and getting up. Same thing with you delivering a documentary or a story or your comedy. Yeah. I think it's very important to understand who's your audience. Who are the people listening to you because what are they getting out of this? Yeah. And when you learn that part, then then you're not thinking about yourself because you've already you understand you have to you're bringing it out. You've learned your lessons and you still will learn your lessons, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: And I think, too, there's a fine line, and I tried to explain this to another comedian. I don't think I did a very good job, but (laughs) I was like, it's almost you get to a point where you care, but you don't care too much. Mm -hmm. Like, before, I cared way too much. Like, it was, like, living and dying on every joke, every set and you went to a a showcase for example and it went well or didn't go well like that was and i realized like you can't walk up there with that level of pressure like you this is supposed to be fun and again when i rewire it and think about the audience they're not thinking about any of that they're like we just got parking we have chicken wings and this beer is cold. <laughs> and when does this thing start? Like, we, totally. you, while you're up there going, this is, you're the m M&M. m Like, this is yes. my shot. mom spaghetti. <laughs> like, you're just, oh my God. It's like, you can't yeah. like, a, so. I don't know
3: about mom spaghetti, but yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm I like, know, why, is, just, he yeah. why is he eating mom spaghetti up there? That's going not going to help him What all.
0: <laughs> He's got it on his shirt. That doesn't look professional.
3: <laughs> but, but I know what you mean. Yeah. But yeah. you know yeah. What I mean? Like, you, yeah. there's that
0: line of put everything into it. Huge. Just give it your all. Yeah. And then the thing I like to determine as now is like, you live it you launch it, and then you let it go. You let it go. That's it. It's over. We're done. That was all I had. That was the best I could do today. And now, so there's that line of care and, yes, everything into it, and now we're done. But I I would take it way too far when I first started. So I'm trying to explain to other comedians or people who are out there listening, like, yeah, like – empty the tank but then eventually there's a cutoff and it's like okay that's it it, yeah and
3: and this is where they're taking it personal like you said yeah and it's so true even in television when you're doing a a show or when you're doing um anything you you can screw up you can do many different things but when you forget that part and just say no today's the day i did it big deal new day starts tomorrow right Right. and when you get into that mindset uh state or you know whatever um, you, you tend to feel that way. You tend to feel like that. Even with the documentaries that I did and the stories that I've done, I had a hard time before, right? Yep. I wore my heart on my sleeves, pretty much, and everything was an emotional thing. Yep. And now it's like, done. It's done. That story's done. Move on, Judy. Yeah. Yeah, it took you, what, three months to do it? You've invested a lot into it. You've put every ounce of you in it. Now move on. And I've learned the hard way because before I did the same thing you did. You know, I, I'd hold on to those things. i yeah. feel like, oh, man can't I get, get out, you know yeah. past this point. But after doing it and after realizing when I watched the people and I did the red carpets and they watched my documentary, I'd watch the people and I'd be like, huh, do they like my stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they love it. There was no claps and I would get a standing ovation. It would feed my soul in a weird way and I'm right. like, I love it. I love this feeling. Yeah. And later I realized whether they stood or not, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. What was I doing this for? Why am I doing this? Yeah. And once I do it, it's not about Anything other than I just finished that, I'm proud of it, and I don't care how it's taken anymore because I really needed to finish it, and I accomplished it, and I told the story how I wanted to tell it. But you're right. You have to let go of things. And you have to move on to the next thing or else you're going to get stuck in time and you're going to get old and and you're going to get frustrated and depressed, really, because you're stuck in that moment. It's like, don't relive your past all day, every day. Move from that and get to the next day because it's a friggin' beautiful, amazing day and I need to do some new things, you know, know, that kind of feeling. For sure.
0: Well, it's it's, it's a good point because we both, I'm sure, know people in entertainment who have like... You know, they felt hard done by, by the business or this was their shot and it didn't happen. And for them, time stopped in that moment. They've gotten older and they're still in the game or whatever, but like, they're still in that moment and the bitterness and the anger and the frustration. And it's like, again, it gets back to like, that was the deal Mm -hmm. when you signed on. Like, Mm -hmm. this is what it could be or not be. And the quicker you can get through that, take the data out of it and learn from it and go, okay. I won't do that again or I I would change this or whatever and you quickly move on but there's, there's it's hard for people yeah. and I get it because you're being vulnerable right like totally. this is the height of vulnerability yeah. of and putting your stuff we, out there
3: and we get that too Trent uh, you know you and I we're still in this place in our lives but we still get that yeah. like when someone rejects my stuff I still get it it takes me yeah. days right? but then I know that okay, I start to look at it and go, you know, it has nothing to do with me. What they wanted was different. What I gave was was what I gave, yep. and I got to move on to the next thing, and I got to do that to myself. It's a self, you know, talk that yep. you do to move on. And you're right; a lot of my friends have have been stuck in that moment, and they're like, "How do you do it, Judy?" I'm like, "I, I really don't know. I just yeah. go. <laughs> I don't have time to sit here for too long, yeah. you know." And I think we talk about a lot about different things in terms of even your own life and how you can you know, relay that into your work life, your, you know, when you have, you're an entrepreneur, your business, whatever, whatever it is, I think if you have, if you look at your life and if you've overcome certain things in life, like when I told you about my back surgery and stuff like that, I remember when I got hurt and I felt like, you know, why, why me, why this time, right? And, and I could have been stuck in that moment. And I remembered when I was hurt, my back was hurt. I was in a wheelchair. And it took me about a year to walk. And I was there for three months in the hospital. I remember wheeling myself into the hospital, eating with everybody that, you know, some of them were paralyzed, half paralyzed and had a stroke and others were just in, in wheelchairs and all that kind of stuff. And I remember wheeling myself into the food and everybody's being served and I'm eating and I'm thinking, how did I end up here? Yeah. I was just, you know, doing my my amazing stuff on, on television. I was on the front cover of Avenue Magazine. I was doing all of these things. And all of a sudden this happens to me. And I re- I could have taken that and that I could have been stuck in that moment in time because I was at the height of my career in a sense. Right. Yep. I mean, I'm at the height all the time. I feel like special. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just, always. the we're of our always yeah. Yeah. But I think that moment was a, def- a big defining moment of that kind of thing where I could have been stuck in that moment, but I decided to, you know, get over that. Had I not gotten over that and stopped worrying about what they were thinking and how they were going to let me go and how I just lost the opportunity and how everybody's going to be like, where does she go? What happened? I focused internally and I said, if I can just overcome whatever is given to me at that moment, just forget about everything else. Because if I don't get through that, I'm not going to ever do what I wanted to do. That's yep. all I thought about. And so the wheelchair took me about a year, a year wow. to just learn how to process my brain to make my legs work again. you wow. know. And every day I thought, focus on what you have today because this either you, you allow this to take over you and then you become a depressed case for the rest of your life or you conquer it. Yep. Because it's, you've got to conquer it, because you got to get back in the game. That's yep. all I thought about. I got to get back in the game. I'm a ball player, right? Yes, right. I got to get back, and so that's what I, I and, and I understand with that, because you know those are the things I think that will strengthen you in life when you're doing your work and when you have your entrepreneurial, you know, businesses or whatever you want to do, right, yep. in life. And so when you look at your personal journey. You have to say to yourself, "Am I overcoming those things? Am I stuck yeah. in a certain situation? They might not be related, you think, but they are. Yeah. Because your brain works a certain way, right? The brain works, and like, did you overcome something? Yes. And will it give you strength to overcome the littlest thing, which usually you're just being rejected from work, or I you're know. being rejected from something, yeah. or you're not getting what you want? Big would do, oh, right? No. Yeah. So, but. Those are the things, I think, that define you and, and make you stronger to be able to overcome those little things. You see them as little things. Yeah. Better, right? Yeah, you do. So, but,
0: yeah. In the moment, they're huge and massive. Well, it's funny because uh, today I was even at the, I was at the grocery store and I was like, you know, when you look back on your career, and I don't know if I'm, I'll apply this to you. Yeah. Like, when I look back on my career, I go, man, like, wow, I've done some things, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I don't ever feel like, you know what I mean? Like, there's never an, an arrival. There's it's never totally. like, well… Well, this is it. Pull up a seat. This is where we're staying. Like I always feel, and I think that was part of that drowning thing I told you about before, because we're, especially as an entrepreneur and someone who's in creativity, you always had to think next, 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 next. So really sitting and enjoying the moment, I had a hard time balancing those two because it's like, okay, when do I just get to stop and go, okay, because... We know that just staying here and resting on your laurels and all that yeah. stuff is death. Yeah. So I got to balance that with yeah. But when are you going to enjoy where, you, where are? you are? So I I always felt like I was like man I, I just I, I be I'd be overemphasizing one or the other the, you know. And so yeah. I was always trying to balance those two. Yeah. So like, do, have you gone through the same oh, thing where you're like, how sure. do I just
3: do that. find that? Yeah, find that balance. I think that I um, I have this fear of maybe this is a bad thing, a good thing, I don't know, but a fear of sitting too long on in one place and not doing what i my brain If you want to walk around right now you if can I, get right I, yeah right this is this is long today. you can walk right out <laughs> in the hallway and... <laughs> yeah i gotta do something you know wash we're gonna dishes pause guys something. so you Wait, can walk yeah, around yeah, do something yeah right. exactly um, oh, i hear you though but but it's true because i have it's not an anxiety or a feeling or whatever but it's a thing that um has kept me going and it's fear of oh, my God, I'm being complacent, I'm not doing anything, and I'm not being fulfilled somehow. It's the strangest thing, but I think that because we have dreams that are bigger than, I don't know if it's bigger and they're accomplishable because I've accomplished all of them and you've accomplished your stuff as well too, but it's that feeling of I got, uh, there's so much going on in my brain that I don't know how to sit here and just say I'm comfortable and I'm enjoying all the fruits of my labor or whatever I've created. I never am satisfied, ever, ever. And I and I think it's a good thing to a certain degree and a bad thing to a certain degree because you should really enjoy some of the stuff that you've created and look it back and be like I'm proud of myself, Per-sweet. you know. Per-sweet. But I but I'm scared that when I do that, I will I, I'll get complacent in that spot. And so I think I'm driven that way, like you. I'm driven to go, keep going, keep going, and. And sometimes it's it's not a good thing and sometimes it is, right? Like it's one of those things you have to be able to balance.
0: Well, that's what I think the benefit too is just as you were talking there, I thought to myself, I was like, I think that might be the benefit of, um, excuse me, of um, when you work nine to five for someone else, at Friday at five o'clock, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to think any more about it normally unless you work on the weekends, but it's like that's it done complete shut off you know to think about the next project nothing for the most part and i i'm i know i'm generalizing here so before no, no, people email me and go let me tell you something about my job mister and i'm like all right i'm answering okay. angry emails next week about a comment I mean, this is I good understand. for you yeah, this is like, good yeah right in guys i want to hear your anger. but uh it's like when you're not running the business yourself like i have a good friend who's a physiotherapist back in newfoundland and he yeah. owns a couple clinics him and his wife and they're and they're You look at the outside and you go, they're very successful people and great people and happy. But he, he said to me too, he's like, you know, man, he goes, I also have a hard time just like being in the moment and enjoying the now, because when you're running your own stuff, again, complacency is death. And you're like, man, I should be on what the current trends and what's going on. And that office space is available. And maybe we should expand. Like there's all these decisions to make or not make. Mm -hmm. And. At the end of the day, that can rob you of the happiness that's right there in front of you. And I mean from a very basic sense of, mm-hmm. like, you're healthy. Yeah. You have a roof over your head. Yeah. Uh, your family is healthy. Yeah. You had a hot cup of coffee. Like, I mean, small, small things. Yeah. And you can appreciate the bigger things, too. But, I mean, just those small things, we just quite often, because you're in this race all the time, you're just blowing past this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's never enough. And then you go, hold on a second. And you turn the news on, and you're like, here's some kid in Syria running for his life. And you're like, man, what was that? What Was I complaining about earlier? Yeah. Like it, yeah. you, sometimes you need those little checks and balances to kind of recenter yourself. And go, All right, yeah. really, you're gonna vent about whatever, but but I get it, and I I feel like it's not just folks in the creative world, but I think entrepreneurs in general, there is a sense of fun in that. I know balance. Sometimes people hate that term, but mm-hmm. I I don't know what to call it. But okay, I know I got go to go into the next thing, but also, hey, this is pretty good too. This is, this is where good. we are right now. It's and pretty cool. And I
3: think cool. we have to appreciate that. I get it. I think the battle is who we are truly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And no matter how much we say it's a good thing to have that balance and to relax and to do those things. Yep. It's still it's still, you know, your brain, it's the way I'm made. Yeah. Right? And and I, as a in terms of appreciating things, I think that I definitely appreciate a lot of stuff. You know, I come from a place where I was a refugee. I was a uh, immigrant. Um, you know, I come from. You know, we weren't. We didn't have. We weren't wealthy, m- money wise. Right. Yep. Wealthy in, in yeah. life and all that kind of stuff, but yep. not the other way. And so I I appreciate everything, and so I get it when I think of oh that child that's you know that doesn't have much or whatever that kind of stuff I I, I get. But when it comes to your brain and when it comes to your makeup of who you truly are, um, it's really hard to kind of say to yourself, yeah. I'm going to stop and just enjoy. You will enjoy it. You enjoy and you appreciate it. i like, damn, I was good. I did good over there and I can enjoy my life and I can take a breather. But your brain is going yeah. because that is your makeup. That is who you are and that is why you're a success in whatever you do in that, in that life. And Whether or not you're doing comedy or television or, or you're working for somebody, your brain is always going and you have to feed it. Yes. You have to allow it or else you're going to go crazy and feel a certain way. Yeah. Right. So you have to give the balance, I guess, is to not feel crazy when you're doing all those things, not right. pile it to the point where every moment you're like, duh, 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 you, yeah. you got to like relax a little bit, let your brain unwind so that you can have the newer, you know, great ideas that will come to you.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree. Kind of I started this practice this year because this, this is where I was going earlier with this yeah. thing about yeah. when you said you were working out and stuff like um, I've been looking at people's morning rituals and yeah. was like listening to people's rituals and stuff. So one of the things I started in January was like this morning. I usually do it most mornings is like just have 10 minutes of meditation. And it's like a basic just like focusing on your breathing. Yeah. That's it. There's no mantra or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But like that stillness of being able to just shut your mind off and focus on like either counting or breathing. Like I couldn't believe the difference. Like I realized how much noise was in my head up to that point. And I mean it's still hard. There's days where I'll try and do it. Yeah. And I started thinking like oh, I am supposed to take chicken out for supper. Oh uh, no, I don't know if there's any chicken downstairs in the fridge. I'm going to have to go to All the those restaurant. people talking to you in your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got like there's a joke about whatever. Oh, let's think about the shower thing. I should try that. Like it's this constant stuff and so you have to I have to re-bring myself back again and whatever. But just being able to do that has really been helpful. Yeah. And then what I find then too is for the rest of the day I'm also more mindful. Yeah. So if my mind starts to wander in a certain area that's not a, not a great area for my mind to be in. I can bring it back pretty quickly because I'm aware yeah, of it now. Totally. Whereas before, I just thought, like, I am my thoughts. Yeah. Like, I'm in that, and this is who I am, and da-da-da. Yeah, yeah. And I realized, oh, no, you can totally it focus really that and this steer stuff. it somehow. <laughs> like, I'm like, why didn't someone tell me about this yeah. earlier? I could have yeah. really used that yeah. for a period of time.
3: I remember being younger. I've read somewhere where if you write your thoughts in point form and then accomplish each one, then it'll, it'll free up a lot of the stuff that's in your brain because we're creative thinkers. We have a lot of thinking to do right. Right? all the time. Yeah. And so now what I do to make myself not as crazy as the Judy gets of trying to do everything and lots is going on in her head, yeah. um, I've learned to just put them down and I put a little tiny box at the, at the side of everything I need to do yep. and then I'll say, okay, done that. Whether it's like washing the dishes, None. I do it, I don't do it all the time. Like it's not a, a yeah. thing that I do all the time, but I, I try to be as, you know, as disciplined as possible to do that. But that helps me. And sometimes, sometimes I just go. Sometimes you're right. It's like, hush, I don't need to be thinking about that thought. Yeah. I need to just focus on this thought at the moment. Accomplish this and relax. And then when you're on vacation or taking some time off, yeah. your brain is going. It's right? You just were on something. Weren't you on a boat somewhere? Yeah,
0: I was in yeah, Vernon was on a boat, and I'm like, this I is like it. awesome. And I literally, and even that was a struggle to yeah. go like, because someone will say something, and that'll trigger something for me, and I'll go, like, oh, man, that would be a good idea for a bit. Like, my mind goes, and I go, okay, that's enough, yeah. and i got to bring myself back to where I am. To where you are. But that's why, especially for me, because I'm pulling from real life, and yeah. you are as well. Yeah. You're pulling stuff from real life, Huge. people's stories. Yeah. So there's always that radar and antenna that's always out there looking yeah. for data. You can't shut that off you fully. Can. Like, that's yeah. just, that's part of who you are. Yeah. But I had to learn to go time and place. And yeah. so, okay, you can come out for a second, but yeah. you got to go back in the box now because you're on exactly. vacation, you and know? And the
3: person, your other half is yeah. sitting there going, hey, yeah. we're here. Are you Let's writing a joke right moment. now? Yeah, seriously. No. Right? no. No.
0: And it's like, oh, actually, this
3: could be huge.
0: Yeah, it's really, it's an I'll interesting it. thing. Yeah. So well, I talked to Eric Francis. Yes. Eric I love Eric.
3: You know, it's funny with Eric, he... Oh, uh, When I was doing the radio show, he took over my spot with Matt O'Neill. So at the very beginning when we had Matt O'Neill was doing Kiss FM. Yeah. And I was on vacation when I was at HNO at the time right. And I was in television. And he had called and said, hey, there's a new radio show coming up. We want you to be the morning show host with me. And I was like, "What? I've never done radio. What, what the hell yep. are you talking about? And so I came back. We had a huge talk. And then I, the Man Child and Judy G show came up. All and right Man Child was Matt right, O'Neill yeah, yeah, yeah. for a whole year. And I was moonlighting doing that and television at the same time. Crazy. Like It was crazy, crazy. But I had two incomes. That I was amazing but that's besides the point so then <laughs> after it was a hip-hop show it was the first hip-hop show in alberta wow um that was on mainstream like a, a big channel yeah. right and uh yeah so matt o'neill and i da da, da and then all of a sudden the channel had switched over to jack fm right and so eric replaced me oh wow and i was supposed to go to toronto whatever and um i was i said no more radio for me <laughs> that's oh, it. You're like but i'm, done with, this, I'm so. done with this and it was rock music and i was like listen I like different types of music, but I can't listen to rock music my vibe. So Eric came up, and uh, so they became Matt, o- Matt O'Neill and Eric oh,
0: that's Francis. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Yeah, that's so I crazy. know That's crazy, yeah, full circle. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah, so, 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 yeah, the thing about, <laughs> no, that's all right. This, these conversations can go wherever they want. I don't care. You want to yeah. talk about pets? I don't care. Um, so I, I asked Eric this question because I said, you know, Eric, you know, he's paid for his opinion, right? Yeah. And so I go, you watch a hockey game. What are you looking for in a game mm-hmm. in terms of what you're going to write about? So for you now doing documentaries, Mm -hmm. what things are jump out to you and go, I that's something I want to make a doc about? Because there's people now who feel like documentaries are the new journalism, Mm -hmm. that they are. It's 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 more time spent, more investigation. We're spending time now. It's not a quick thirty second clip of something and then whatever whatever that's a snippet. But now you're gonna spend time researching and it's gonna take months, maybe a year, whatever it is, and really get into something, get both sides. What are the things that jump out to you, if you can think back about the projects you've done where you go, this has to be done. This is a story that I want to tell. What is it about that intrinsically that you think speaks to you?
3: I think when I look at different documentaries and the ideas that come to me, I've never really pursued a documentary. They've always pursued me. Okay. It's a very strange. And they've always said, hey, can you do this story? And then I have to look at it and, and see, I have to find an individual or individuals in it that have overcome so much and I always go for the human spirit, the strength of somebody's human, like strength of their own personal uh, journey and their human, the human spirit journey, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so I look at it and I think this person is going through cancer, they're dying and yet they're living life to extreme in the sense of living life to the moment. There's lessons in that for me. And so I always look at stories that lift that human spirit and make it do something in, in the midst of the worst circumstance that you can ever possibly have. And I think that comes from when I was younger and leaving Ethiopia and running from that war and going through the journey with my mom, holding, me on, you know, w- holding my sister in one arm and dragging me with the other and my brothers running from the Ethiopian border to the Kenyan border to get, the, you know, to get in this Jeep to, to run. That feeling never left me. I always wonder about what it is about my mom and dad that made them go through that kind of journey and that pain and and feeling the fear of we 're going to all die yet we got to get to that other side. What is it that drives that human spirit for me, and so it can be anything that um, that someone is going through, but I just want to tap into that that strength that thing yeah that connects us all and that makes us go beyond what is capable in our imaginations or minds, but we're able to do it. Somebody's doing it. And so I, I'm drawn to that. Be, like, to, almost like, um, I don't know, it's like a magnet for me. Uh. And the story can be political, the story can have all these other elements to it, uh, historically, whatever. The story has to be that way, but that's what, what drives me. If That's what, you know, for every documentary I've done, even with the kids with the, doc, with the cancer, Little right. Golden Stars, when I did that, and uh, with Jen Unplugged, Jennifer Gardner, who went through that and she lived life to the fullest. She was flamboyant. She did all these things and yet she was dying. Yeah. you know. And to me, I was like, you're dying. Your moment, at that moment, somebody thinks totally differently. Yet she's living her life and saying, I want to live my life and find the cure and all these kinds of things. But she's going through every moment and enjoying it. What she eats, she's enjoying. and She's explaining all those things, and I'm fascinated by that. And then when it comes to kids and little golden stars, I was fascinated by the fact that these are little people that are going through certain things, and yet they're fighting. And they might not understand, but then you talk to the parent, right. and you find out that must be a very hard thing. And I was going through the same thing, yeah. you know, and I was going through – I had been pregnant. I think we talked about this the last time. And I went through that moment where I I was pregnant, I was excited, I was having a boy, and eight months into it, I lost him. And I held him and gave him a kiss and said goodbye. And to me, I was going through a lot. I, I think that was my lowest point in my life compared to anything because I looked forward to this boy and my kid and life in general, just being a part of my body and mind and all these things that you go through when you're pregnant. And when you see his face and everything, and I think for me... At that moment, I remember when I was pregnant, I was interviewing these kids. I was interviewing the mothers, and the kids are dying. There's three, six-year-olds and everything, they've got cancer of the brain and other things. And the parents are crying for them, and there's kids that have died. So I'm going through this journey and doing this documentary and thinking, I'm pregnant, I am having a baby, so I'm excited about myself. But then at the same time, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm feeling the pain of all that. And when I lost Trey, I went into weird space in myself and that's when I knew my ultimate strength because I went through a deep, I don't believe in God, I hate this, I went through a lot of pain, I didn't know myself, right? But yet I knew I had to finish that documentary, And so I would go back and interview them and they would cry and I would just stay, you know, strong. I would have tears, but then I would go into the car and I just break down, break down. Like every day I would break down and everybody's thinking, how the hell is she doing this? Mm. And my family went through a lot of that. But then I realized that that's when I started even understanding more about myself and the human spirit and the idea of strength that a, a human being can go through overcome so much and yet you're looking at it and I'm looking at them and I'm thinking I connected with them maybe that kind of was a journey for me. So that whole story in itself is stuff that I'm drawn to and I don't know why I kept on going. I could have quit. Yeah. I could have quit yeah. because I felt like giving up at that time. Yeah. Right? I really felt like something has been taken away from me and I can't seem to get it together in my in my mind till to you know today too it's been a year and a half, two years. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And so um but then I realized that it was teaching me lessons too while I was going through that documentary. Right. And I finished it. We had a gold carpet for them and all the kids came in and they were wow. dressed up and Market Mall joined in and they had limos and all the celebrities walked them down and oh, they were wow. on stage and everything. And I thought, at least this is happening. Yeah. you know. And after the documentary was done, the red carpet was done and everything, I remember going home and just crashing yeah. because it's an emotional thing for me. And, and so what drives me is... Truly the human spirit and the strength of it because I also go through that kind of stuff, right?
0: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the thing that you get your fuel from. from it completely yeah. makes sense. You know, it's amazing to see when you talk about your own story, mm-hmm. I think, too. There's, like, if you would have quit in that moment, mm-hmm. everyone would have understood, you know? Like, you, you know you would have had the social approval of everyone to go, totally. yeah, of course she. Did you hear what happened kind of thing? Yeah. And and I really do believe this because one of the previous episodes we did where people actually sent me emails of traumatic things they went through in their life and they talked about how it it provided a direction in their life and in the moment they didn't see it but later in life they realized okay that shaped this portion of their life now Mm -hmm. Um, people lost like Lost brothers, brothers and stuff, family. you know traumatic traumatic and things. you lost
3: your grandmother. Didn't yeah you? Like
0: no, I was just graduating okay. from university and mm-hmm. that year I get a phone call and boom, you know It's over and yeah. so I I kind of started the process with sharing that and then people wrote in and I, you know I said if you want me to read them, I will and kept names out of it but read them and I and I really I've always believed this but I feel like there's a gear within all of us that we don't even know exists mm-hmm. until you have that kind of trauma or pain happen yeah. and you again you, there's no fairness and there's no justice and any of that mm-hmm. stuff i, I just yeah. it, there just isn't yeah. but in that moment you're going to go to a level that you didn't know you had and that is that is the gift of that misery in the moment you don't see it now but in 2 years time you're going to yeah. go man you were able to push through that get that project done so like life bring it bring like it. whatever you got yeah. i i've already been through that yeah. and so go ahead yeah. and i th- i think that's the bigger that's, the only, that's how I get through it. I, I think about it that way.
3: Yeah. And I think we all connect as human beings that way. And yeah. so with the documentaries for me, I know that that's a connection for everybody. Yes. What, which, whatever story it is that comes out, it doesn't matter. The fact that that element is in there.
0: Because yeah. it can be
3: a story. Who cares? We can talk. Even in comedy, you can do a whole documentary on, on comedy. But there's pain, there's struggle. There's things yeah. that people go through in life that they're still going through that pain and they're in shit pretty yeah. much excuse my language but no, yeah. yeah. you know and they can't see uh, you know their the light from the darkness they're in darkness constantly but they're still performing yeah. and they're still doing that what is it about them what is it about that particular person that is what are they thinking and how are they doing this right to me i'm fascinated by that and i think it's a journey that i'll always have for the rest of my life because yeah. i'm constantly fascinated by how are you doing that yeah. i understand it but i want to know how you're doing it so it connects all of us all of us connect that
0: way. I think we. I think you're right. We. It's easier to connect with someone, um, in in a weird yeah. way when you know the the parts of their life that weren't great. Yeah. Like I think, especially when you're in entertainment, people look at. Uh, you know, successes or see someone on television. when I, And I think I told you this before, but when I saw someone on television, I thought they were rich. Yeah. Like before, I got entertainment. I was like, yeah. that guy's got a comedy special; like he must be, he must be loaded. Or yeah. I would have seen you on television, yeah. go like that girl's like, you well, just. I am. What makes you think That's what, what I mean. You know what I, mean? No. I go, <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you walked in here, and two guys carried you in. But well, that's you know, fine. It's like know. they're sta- they've something. been quiet the whole time, sitting over there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh guys, you want something to a drink? You good? Yeah. So anyway, they're uh, just over there hanging out. They're like, no. When she's <laughs> ready to leave, we carry her back out to her her chariot and
4: yeah it 's an illusion <laughs> yeah it's all, it's all it 's all an is, illusion, yeah.
0: and but you 're right the relatability comes from knowing their stories, mm-hmm. knowing that this person went through all this fight and struggle that to me is human and yeah. relatable yeah. when we see someone with you know what we deem to be success, whether it 's being on television or they have wealth or whatever it is. Yeah. People don't connect to that. Most people, they go like, well, that's fine for that girl or fine for that guy. Look what they have. But if you told you, told you their backstory, you go, oh, okay, well, that's a real human being who's been through stuff, you know?
3: And I think we forget that. We forget that because we look at it and it's the illusion of what television shows you. And I always say that because I have a lot of friends in television and I think they have a hard time leaving that facade, that idea of them and what people see of them. And it's almost like, well, that's created based on just this idea. Yeah. Really, truly, when you break o- that glass of that TV screen and go behind it and you get to see the, real, the realness of these people, you see the insecurities. You see the things that are, you know, their hair isn't all that. We have weaves sometimes. We yeah, have a lot of makeup yeah. that's on. We, we have a lot of things, but we wake up every day and we know we've got a job to do. Yeah. And when you look at it like that's a job that doesn't necessarily define who I am. And if you want to get to know me, we can have a sit down on a, over coffee and, you know, yeah, I can yeah, tell yeah. you the real yeah. the real deal. Yeah. But I think we all are like that. There's nobody that I've I've interviewed a lot of stars as well, like Will Smith, all of them. Right. You know, um, Don Cheadle, you name it, all of them. And I remember sitting across from them, talking to them and thinking to myself, you're just like me. Yeah. I never thought, oh my God, you are this thing. But I never thought that because I never, I always knew that there's a human aspect of everybody. Yeah. And so you, when you do that and you break that down and you get to know them, you're right. It, that's the only way a story will connect to any human being is when you understand that that's just like me. You have to be relatable in order to make people come in and follow you. True. Right? Even in your comedy. Yep. You're at your raw state when you're on stage. You're talking about your life, and people want to get to know more. Yeah, they want to get to know more about the crazy stuff that you talk about, the yep. real stuff. Yep. And sometimes, you if you're afraid to show that aspect of you, forever you'll live in that bubble and that glass. Yeah. They'll never get to know you, and they'll never you'll never be true to who you are because you'll be afraid to come out of that glass and be the real you. Yeah. Like I can work as a janitor and I'm fine. Yeah. Yes, I am that TV girl, but yeah, <laughs> I also do this for a living. You know, not a janitor. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Anything, yeah. and you have to, and you can't even. But you can't even tell a story or get to a story if you can't break yourself down and understand truly that you're just vulnerable too. You're just another person. Yeah. That's a job. Yeah. That's I, it. I agree. Yeah. I, and I,
0: I've said before, I've read on social media that like I think vulnerability is the new tough. Yes. I think this Makes era sense. of. Look at my flash car look at my jewelry i'm beautiful whatever i think people are about done with that i think people now resonate like this guy who does uh humans of new york have you heard about that project love it and i've heard some interviews with that guy and i go i understand why that project is such a success because a it's not about him Mm -hmm. it's about these people he's meeting they let him in because he's got a great way of asking questions and starting conversations Mm -hmm. and People see that because they see their struggle in these other people's struggles. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's why it's a rare bit of business. That's yeah. kind of the reason why I want to start a podcast too was actually mm-hmm. I was like, I can get on here and talk about my show dates, and which I do mention, by the way. Which, is- um, which are also very important, guys. Yes. you should get and to where, those. when are but, they? Hey, crucial. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yes, guys, we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> fix that in post. But um, <laughs> I'll do that the intro I do later. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I think people need that. People gravitate to the vulnerability part of it. And the thing you mentioned about fame you know, because you've, you've you've been around yep. that world for a long time and hung yep. with some of the biggest stars in the world. Yep. And I I've also worked with some acts which were Sweet. huge. Yep. And I remember sitting back and looking at fame as a thing. And I'm like, man, I don't want, I want that. that. Like some people deal with it really well. Yeah. Other people, they become that thing, whatever that is. Yeah. They become not a human being anymore. They're I'm this star Star. or this whatever. And that's that never ends well, like in my mind. uh, But the people who can remain balanced and somewhat and still remain, you know, with their just just human being. You realize those people ultimately have the longest careers anyway, Mm -hmm. and they end up being the happiest. Uh, so I'm sure you must have encountered plenty of that in your days where you just were around people and you, you the people doing press junkets and stuff. And you're kind of like, oh, before the cameras went on, we saw who the real, the real? <laughs> so, so it was, it's like, and then it's like, OK, we're ready to go. And it's yeah. like, hi, hi, Judy. Good yeah, to see you. Good. Hi. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, my God. He's so amazing. You're yeah. like, let me There's
3: cranky, cranky people. I've met stars that are cranky, but I won't even mention who they are because I know them. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but there's some that stay in character. It's almost like they have this persona. And yes. they won't snap out of it. And to really do an interview with that type of person, it's really hard because I don't think they even know themselves. Right. Because they've become that character or characters or they're constantly acting and they're constantly giving you this, this thing. And you're thinking, listen, I, I know this part. Give me something good. Yeah. Right? Give me something good. And when you ask them something like that. But I think I've encountered a lot of the stars I've encountered have become real automatic because I come in really real yeah does that make sense like they, i think they, I come they mirror in it and, yeah, and, yeah and they mirror it but um what was the question again Sorry. well i was just saying like there's <laughs> a, yeah there's this
0: armor that they put up yeah and you realize like they because i guess it comes from people always want something from them yeah. so they've learned to, to keep the real part of them the vulnerable part of them shielded yeah. and they put up this singer movie star whoever it is they yeah. put up that thing they're yeah. used to the same questions they think you want something at all times. Mm-hmm. So therefore they have to give you a little something Athletes sometimes the same yeah. way. Yeah. And you're right in your, their quieter moments. What I found being around people who are like that. If I present myself in a way that either I act like I'm on the same level, yeah. you are yeah. not in the sense that I think I am, but yeah. just in a sense that I think like, no, you're a human being. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about, man, this weather is shit. shit. Like, yeah. I'm not going to ask you about the movie you're in and how yeah. awesome it was. Ever. I'm going to go yeah. like, man, yeah. oh, my God. Or I might start with my own vulnerability. So I'm go, ah, the worst gig last week. It was just whatever. And yeah. they're like, oh, really? Because really? they yeah. don't get a normal conversation totally. from people. Someone's always like, can I get totally. a photo? Yeah. Can I get whatever? And totally. you're like, no, no, I'm just going to treat you like a, another, another dude at a coffee dude. shop. Yeah. Right?
3: Yeah. And I totally get that because I think the one thing with me when I did a lot of those interviews, I remember Terrence Howard and um, – Don Cheadle and them coming down, and yeah. I heard "judy, And I was in the hallway, like I was in the in the hotel, sitting down. And I remember the interviews I did were real, mm-hmm. were so real that we all, you know, yeah. they hit on you all the time because I'm a female. Right. <laughs> yeah, It's, like, hey, a, baby. it's yeah. like I only have five minutes. Don't be hitting on me right now. Like, like, <laughs> we okay, get And we I got always time. do that. We got we got five yeah. minutes, <laughs> then we can talk after, okay? But like, and then they laugh, and it's like, <laughs> and then we go through it. Yeah. And uh, and then sometimes whatever. But I remember them coming down, and Terrence is like, listen, why not you have dinner with us and everything? And I was like, oh, man, I'm waiting for the car to come get me, and I can't miss that because if I miss that, it's terrible. Yeah. But we had a really great conversation. We really got a chance to hang out and get to know each other and everything. And uh, what's his name from Lawrence Tate from Love Jones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of them, right? Wow. And they're really sweet. And I really realized even the more I went, I was really nervous at first because I thought, I don't want to offend anyone or even hang out with somebody, uh, with someone for them to think that I'm that type of girl. Right. You, you get the, all the yeah, yeah. weird things that you think about. But I really enjoyed them because I thought they were the most real. Yeah. And I met a lot of the different actors too that were real. And you can tell that they're vulnerable and that they're scared of really showing who they truly are. And that's when you have a harder time talking with them. Yeah. If you tap into their insecurity in a way that is the way you would want to be handled, right? When we talk right now, we can talk, and I can tell you about me you know, losing my baby or whatever, because I'm comfortable. I'm yeah. comfortable with you, so I'm just going to yeah. be open and tell you everything. Yeah. So, And I think when you make somebody that comfortable, you got, you got it made. You got it made in that sense. But you're right. Vulnerability and, and the feeling of staying within that glass that you've created yeah. is easier for them because they, they don't need to tell you too much. They give you what you need, and that's it. Yeah, and I think we all all humans feel like that. Even if you're, you know, at an event, oh, you know, definitely, you don't have to be in these kind of celebrity t- modes too. Well, I, I
0: find it hilarious. Like, I, it's so funny. Like, I go to the gym, and I, I none of none of my act revolves around the gym.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But I love just sitting there in between sets and observing people. And yeah. I think like everybody in this gym has got a story. Yeah. Everybody here feels like little self-conscious about how they look that's why they're there yeah um and you know there's guys there's one guy there he's 80 years old uh he's got a limp he's clearly got an issue with his leg and he's there every single morning and it's like i find it the most inspiring thing because i'm like this dude is crushing it every day no excuses he's here busting his ass and i and i realize that that everyone has these stories as you get older i've learned to accept that like Oh, this girl who never smiles. I don't know her backstory. I don't yeah. know that she's going through the worst thing in her life, or she might have had a cancer diagnosis. Like yep. before, I was quick to you know, like oh that yep. person's whatever, that yep. person's whatever. And you're like, dude, you don't know dude. anything. You're just sitting yep. here like sitting here on Mister Judge Pants. Yeah. Like, I'll tell you <laughs> something. Let me tell you what your problem is. Okay. Oh, yeah, really? You're just really? gonna look at someone <laughs> yeah. the size and size him up and go.
3: But that's true. You know. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, but, I think you're right, vulnerability to me, and like just authentic, and I think we talked about this before mm-hmm. during our other amazing conversation, but yeah, yeah, is that I know more people now than I've ever known in my life, just by just through the sheer course of being alive longer, yeah, and uh but my <laughs> yes. social circle is smaller than it's ever been, yeah, because the the amount of people now who I would really confide in or yeah. really lean on during a tough time is smaller because of that, I think, yeah. where you feel like. You have to be a little bit guarded. You, you have do. to be like, mm-hmm. these people really know me and they don't expect anything from me yeah. so I can be my authentic self. Yeah. When someone sees you as just a comedian, they expect that from you. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't want to hear you talk about whatever. There's probably someone listening to the podcast going, well, where's the funny? Do like, yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. I I don't care if they think yeah. that because that's not for them. Yeah. This is not for them. <laughs> exactly. But do you know what I
3: mean? Yeah. But I, I And I get that. I think that even for me, when I go to different places, I go for coffee with somebody and a group of people, and they expect me to be a certain way. Yeah. And I always think to myself, but well, this is me, though. This is who I am. Like me or don't like me. You know, that's the Judy Gabriel is on TV. Okay, fine. Yeah. But this is Judy, like, you know, the little African girl that likes to just <laughs> chill with you. <laughs> but I know that there's sometimes, there's some people that I've met that have become friends of mine and then I kind of had to weed people out because they, uh, they're they very judgmental, right? Yeah. They're very judgmental. They want you to be a certain way, and you have to be. And I don't want to be that person. I want to be myself. I want to be able to you know, hang with you in the hood of the hoods and then be at a very classy event with you and still have this intellectual conversation with you and have a silly, silly conversation with you. I don't have to be that girl all the time. Yeah. And I think when I find gems that are able to be around me and I can just be myself, the true me, then I feel like, okay, these are people that I can always hold and I can confide in and I can tell them, hey, I'm going through some stuff too, yeah. right? And they're able to, to, to be my friends. But I'm like you. I don't have many, I don't hold too many people in my circle in the sense of truly, you yeah. know, I have my sister, my brothers and a few friends that I have and that's it. Yeah, And then the rest of the people that I know are acquaintances and, you know, I meet them and we, you know, there's some people who call me for advice, yeah. We don't hang out. We wow. don't hang out. They call me for advice. We'll sit and t- they'll be like confiding in me. And these are journalists and other people that are d- in other places and I'm a hundred percent I put myself into that and I like, give them what they need. Yeah. But I always think but I don't hang out with them. Right. It's not interesting. Yeah. And I get this a lot. I get this a lot. And but I never say who they are they just call me and I'm friends with them and I feel like oh, man, I'm, I'm Dr. Judy I
4: yeah. can
0: sit here no that's right. you need a show you need your I own should show. have Dr. Judy's yeah, yeah. show but you're, awesome. but you're right you're right like, but that's, well that's a credit I think to probably how you present yourself and how yeah. you what you energy you give off yeah. I think that people cause, but there are certain friendships too that you can feel are kind of um, they're one way yeah. like you feel like oh you only need me when you're when in you, crisis yeah, and like I that. solve your problems or yeah. attempt to sometimes you don't listen to my advice and you yeah. do whatever but yeah. that's our relationship yeah. it's not a friendship yeah it's more like you'll know what to do you'll know. uh this yeah. thanks click and they hang up and it's done deal you know what i mean yeah. so yeah. it's um whatever is that
3: yeah. sorry your phone is vibrating and i just know that it's right next up to the mic was that was that, was, like, that grrr, grrr.
0: was that yours earlier really or mine it was mine
3: oh it's okay this is good you know, we're cracking it here. Can, we're How we're, are you for time? Do you I'm need good. To, what we, time is it? We got it's time we're, to go. we're <laughs> an
0: hour twenty two in <laughs> okay. here. So we've
3: been like <laughs> we could talk all day. Well we that would have be so like literally to talk three about. hours
0: of content if it we could just, be
3: like a podcast and a half.
0: We should we should host live a podcast. Streaming. We need to co- we need to co-host a okay, podcast for just two that. of us and yeah. we just have a guest because we have so much and then we forget that they're there and the two of us just start talking. You can go if you want, man. So anyway, Judy, we just go back forever. What's he doing? What's going on? Um all right. Well, we've covered a lot of stuff. Stuff. i we mean have. i don't it's it could go anywhere from here it I mean, could this is uh that's the, that's <laughs> this the, is
3: good i'm glad that i got a chance to you know talk to you and, and talk to, talk to you about this about a whole bunch of stuff i really needed someone to talk to
0: well this is it <laughs> no. this is what i'm here for that's my podcast you just people have problems you know, and they come on they and come talk here, about and it they and, um, listen and, and i need help on this i do yeah, anyway. yeah exactly i do want to ask you this about documentaries because yeah. i i recorded my own uh comedy special a couple of years back and so hard as guerrilla film crew and yep. they were amazing great awesome. but i've i I mean. From scouting the venue to, you know, deciding where I was going to do it and hiring people and all yep. that stuff. Yeah. And then we shoot it on the night of, and now I got all this footage I got and I got to yeah. figure out what shots to use. Like, yeah. I found it exhausting. I was really proud of myself at the end. I'm like, I, yeah, we did that. I, that was a thing I produced and yeah. did, and I wrote the material and performed it. But I go, for you making documentaries, when we talked about this earlier a little yeah. bit, about letting go. But also, when you go in to do a documentary, are you going in with a certain narrative as to, like, oh, I know what this is about. Or are you like, no, I'm going to talk to these people and see where it goes, and I'll just follow that. And the second part of that is, of course, you have to then take all that and make something out of it. Like, this is all great, this raw footage, congratulations. Yeah. But that's just ground I think when you
3: know the story idea a little bit, right? What yours is, you're a comedian behind the scenes, your story, da, 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 da. And then you sit back and, and try to put it together. I think for me, I like to know where I'm headed. I almost, it's a weird thing in my brain. I already know how the story is going to work out. It's a strange thing sometimes. But usually I go into a documentary and I don't know where I'm going with it. I just know I'm going to get some really amazing stories and in the end it's going to be a great story. But I also, when I get all of that stuff, I know that there's climaxes within the documentary that I'll put at the front. Okay. Yeah. Always start with something that's going to grab your audience. That's going to give you. It's almost like a movie, right? You're foreshad- f- Is it foreshadowing? Back. Oh, you're not yeah, foreshadowing, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you yeah. kind of play that. And with a documentary, you need something like that. Something dramatic that's going to happen in the middle that you bring at the front. Right. And then you lead into slowly into the move into the movie. The same thing with the docu documentaries. People think, oh, I just start, da 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 da, tell the story. And I'm like, no. Give me something great at the very beginning that's going to hit home, and I'm going to either cry, I'm going to be in shock, and I'm going to want to know. It's like, almost like a cliffhanger. Right. And when you do that with a documentary, and I never learned this anywhere other than myself. I'd watch movies. I'm like, that's how I want to do my documentary. That hook off the top. That hook off the top. And so if you've got something that's dramatic for you, for sure, your, ma- your grandmother dies. You're yeah. on stage. Something that's just dramatic. I have no idea. I don't know your story, right? Yeah, yeah. But then I would bring a st- – that's something either – something that's happening and then go back and start the day, start the, the story, right? Mm. And then eventually bring it back, right? Yeah. And, and that's how I do most of the stories. I know that there was kids that died. I know there was a funeral. And I knew the one girl that was in the movie. I needed to show um, – for example, Jen Unplugged, I needed to show her injecting herself with the medication. And coughing and doing all of these things, you knew she was in bad shape. But I wasn't going to start that way, but I, I brought that at the front. Yeah. And so you're like, ooh, ooh, you're seeing it, and you're kind of shocked, and then it goes into a different beat. Yeah. Which is slowing it down, now telling the story. Yeah. And just getting everybody else in, and you know that that part's going to come in. Right? And when you do that, it's kind of like a, just a rhythm you get into. It's yeah. a rhythm you get into. Bring in that at the beginning. And it's not always the same. You don't always have to do that the same way. But I find that that is the most impactful and most powerful. And within the storyline, within the documentary, I often have uh, beats that are high, beats that are low, beats that are high. And I keep doing that throughout the movie. So you're always engaging the audience. Um, And I remember when I did Jens again. I'm going to go back to that because I can give one example. And everybody stood up and standing ovation. But I can hear – gasps and I could hear laughter and I could Mm. hear uh, and then quiet and then I can hear sobs and then I was like that's what I want and I knew the peaks but it was a natural thing for me does that make sense yeah and if somebody was doing a documentary that's what I would recommend is constantly have chunks and sections of where you're having your audience be excited but not for too long yeah because they need something to hit them to make them come back to that emotional side and then you bring that back, and then you get them back, and you. The more you do that with people, I think the more they're engaged and they can't let go.
0: Yeah, you're bringing them on this up, up, and, a, down, up engaged, and down, engaged, laughing. They've yeah. been through the full gamut of full of gamut everything. Of yeah, everything,
3: and it could be whatever wherever you take them, and then you bring them full circle.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I look at stand up in a similar way where yeah. I go obviously stand up's got to be you have to put just the details in there that need, need. to be there for the for the joke to work yeah. but also i like the variety of like sometimes i whisper sometimes yeah. i'm i'm going to do this voice yeah. sometimes i yell it sometimes it's a real act out thing that I'm more physical in i like that variety yeah. and, and that's also your audience. yeah and they also realize they're Their brain has to work differently to process all those things. I also move across the stage. I don't stay in one spot. So I'm physically always somewhere different. The other thing is I learned writing wise when I have an idea or a bit and I think, oh, that's the joke. It's like, no, no, that might be the middle. Middle. And you're going to go out from both sides of that. And you might find something else. And the thing that you thought was going to be the very end or the middle is actually the beginning now. And you found this other thing. So it's not being precious with it. It's like just look, you have this spark. And let it go. Ray yep. LaMontagne, the the singer songwriter, <laughs> yeah. he calls it uh, like just this little flickering light in the darkness. That's what he calls the beginning of it. a song. And he yeah. goes, "I'm just trying to get closer and closer to that light." Uh, yeah. And I'm like, "That's pretty much exactly, exactly. how I approach Dan. I'm Like I can see this little thing. Yeah, I don't know how, you don't we're know how, how it's going to go, and it might yeah. be this number three, might be that the thing, yeah. and yeah, um, yeah. And,
3: and it's funny when you're talking like that because you're sitting in the middle of your, let's say, your documentary, your comedy. I get. Mm- And you have this big pile of stuff that you guys have shot and you're sitting in front of it and you're going to look at it and it's just a creative process that happens. That flicker that he talks about, that's what you get at the beginning. And it might take you days. Yeah, I remember right. it took me days before I came up with the beginning. But the beginning had to be done in order for me to continue. And people are like, just start in the middle. And I said, ah, "I can start in the middle too, right? Yeah, so yeah. I start wherever, but I know that the middle, the beginning has to be powerful enough to engage you, to bring you in, right? right? And it's like everything I do. But it's interesting how your brain works with every different story. It's different. It's yeah. different. But this, the system is the same, right? You start yeah. from the middle, stretch it out from each side. Yeah. You know, I start knowing that there's a middle... And I need that middle to be the yeah. something, it, wherever it is, people are going to be crying yeah. or they're going to be laughing. They're going to do something.
0: Yeah. Right? They're going to feel they're something. They're going to
3: feel something that they're going to want to continue because they're curious. Yeah. They're curious and you leave them hanging and then you move on to the next. Yeah. And so and that B
0: story is hanging there totally. while you're going to come back. We're going go to go a story Whereas, C now. Yeah. We'll come yeah. back to B in a little bit. Back, exactly. And yeah. the
3: story, I think even for Jen, was does she die at the end? Right. And at the end, she's holding a, a, a cross. And she's talking about her life. She never talked about that. She had a hard time you know, dealing with, with religion as well. Right. right. And God and stuff like that. And she felt it. And, I mean, we had many conversations outside of the, the video that I could have done. I'd sit with her for two hours, and we would talk about life and death and the fact that she's you know, passing and she wants to talk about certain things. And it was really interesting because the, the stories that you put together, you weave together, you get emotionally attached to them and then it's really hard yeah. because you would go, ah, I don't want to drop that. Ah, I want to put this in. Ah, you know, it was hard for me with her because I knew I had to finish it. She had to be on a red carpet and she had to talk because I knew the time was ticking. Right. And when that happens to you, your pressure is like, do I put that in? Do I say that? She, oh man, how do I, you know, you, you yeah. struggle, but then eventually if you allow the process to happen, which I did, I just went, you know what? I'm going to let it flow. Yeah and however it comes out is how it's going to come out right, right. and you so that's how you get the yeah, way sometimes gonna, yeah, you do you do get in the way sometimes but yeah but you that's know. part of
0: the problem too uh, <laughs> uh, i was talking to a musician once and he and the same thing they were like yeah like you just literally need to get out of the way sometimes like cuz you can get too clever and too cute and yeah. look what we can do with this and whatever and it's like you know what sometimes just let it be the way it's going to be and that's yeah. the most authentic yeah. and real anyway yeah, yeah. Um, and then you have all this footage at the end of the day, and you're like, now i got to piece this together. Yeah. Now i got to find me a story in yeah. here. You know, like it's, I, oh.
3: it's interesting because production companies, even when they do it, they have it scripted from beginning to end. Yeah. And sometimes I find that that is rigid, and it doesn't allow you to really express a story in a different way. What if it just takes you a different way? You, have to, you can't follow that script. And I battle with that sometimes because the script can be done. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if it's going to go that way. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It might just go a different way because I'm going to ask those questions. Yeah. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there with these people because I know they're like, we don't want to ask them too much about death. Right. You know, because they're not dead. Right. Yeah. And I go, yeah, but they're thinking about it. Yeah. They're thinking about it. And they're in pain and they're in that process of thought. Yeah. And I need to get there because without that, I really don't know what we're talking about. They're sick. Okay. Right. But there's more to it. Yeah. Then then we have a story because then I try to find out, wow, they're at that point. I've never I'm not at that point yeah. of death. Does that what's make sense that? for me to think about all the ways I would think if I was at that point?
0: Yeah, what's and that like? What's
3: that like, right? So stories change. I mean like it just depends. But always be creative, always be open to how the story will flow differently never feel so rigid you know in the sense of how the story has to go and it has to be funny and it has to be sad just be like you know what go with the flow of your heart somehow i know it sounds crazy and hoaxy poxy but truly like i've i think i've moved people more by doing that type of stuff than really being rigid of my stories
0: yeah i believe the same thing to stand-up is kind of just let it be organic to the point i mean you're gonna have to get in there and polish and do all that stuff too but at the end of the day, it's like, just let it be authentic and real. And then yep. people relate to that. That's the greatest compliment I can get after a show. is Someone go, man, that's just like real life. Like yeah. that's whatever. And go yeah, that's the whole point of it. That's just to put point. it under a microscope and yeah. do yeah. whatever. Like, I think the parallels between our careers is that my job is to, I always, people say, well, what, what do you look at your job as? And I think it's to notice things mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And then after I do that, then you can start playing and all those things. And I think really for you, that's pretty much the same thing. Like yeah. your job is to notice things, yeah. Yeah. like ask the questions that allow you more knowledge, but yeah. to notice the human condition, the whatever human that condition. is. Yeah. You know?
3: And I think it's important without it. You have nothing. Yeah. Without it. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Really? Because that's the true essence of story. Yeah. Telling is really tapping into that. And when you're in an environment, you're able to kind of get that it surfaces. Yeah. It's weird. And after a while, after you've done it for a long time, you can be in a room and that can surface for you. It ju- it's almost like a, you're on cyberspace right? <laughs> yeah. you get this feeling like that's it. That's it. Keep going with that. Yeah, right? for sure. And so, but that's through experience as well, too.
0: Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, God, we could talk for five hours. We could. We, we could. could, but we should <laughs> wrap it up here. Um, I'll ask you this last thing to okay. close, and it is, man, it's am okay. I the most popular person in the world? Yes, you are. Your phone is uh, ringing off the hook. And it's sad because I thought it was yours the whole time, and I, I realized that it was. there. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. well, we'll do a third well, one. Okay. You know, uh, you know <laughs> where good. I live now. You can swing by. We'll just, we'll just do a weekly podcast. We'll figure it out. My Every guest time again different. this week, guys. Judy Gabriel. <laughs> We've got 17 episodes here. She, uh what's well, yeah. like the, we'll the finally
3: release a whole thing. Yeah, soon. it's gonna be it's gonna yeah. be a volume Episode. set, <laughs>
0: guys. You're gonna love it. It's called uh, Me and Judy. It's gonna come out real soon. Yeah. Uh, I'll ask you this because I get this co- question all the time from stand-up comedians or people who want to get into stand-up. Yeah. So for someone who wants to get into production and film and television and all those things, yeah. what, would you, what would your advice be to that person? What would you say, look, here's what you – before you do anything else, yeah. this is what you need to do.
3: I would say don't do volunteering stuff. Don't do of, it? No. I think a lot of people get in the, in the process of saying, I'm going to volunteer. And i'm going to work at a television station i'm going to volunteer you get stuck in that volunteer mode and they keep you there right and that's from just watching what i've seen i would say go do anything possible work in a tv station in a production house you'll learn a lot and know that within that year and two that it is be a sponge and learn every aspect of it just learn it in general And eventually, you know, if you want to be a reporter or if you want to do other things, you'll you'll get into that mode. Right. But learn everything because one position is always dispensable. Like you'll never it's never if you're a reporter, you're not always going to be a reporter. They might want you to write if they want you to write. They might want you to be a VJ. You might learn how to do camera and learn how to do the other stuff. But before anything, really figure out um, which aspect you want to. You want to do as well, too. When I say learn everything, I just mean just when you're in there, be a sponge. That's all you can do, really. And learn because you'll know exactly what you want to do when you're in it. You'll know what you don't like and you'll know what you like. Yeah. Um, In terms of starting your own production company, for those people that are in that process of, Mm -hmm. you know, I say... uh, don't do what I did, and just jump into it <laughs> right? Think about um, what you want your production company to have. Think about the money that you have to invest in the kind of cameras and the kind of stuff that you want. I really believe in those things as well too, because I went in head first, and sometimes it's the it's it's a good thing yeah but uh but I think really think about this is what I want to do, and now that the internet is is available, really think about doing it that way as well too. you yeah. know you're able to to learn but um, you asked where, you know, the first thing that you should do, be at home, learn how to talk on in front of your microphone like this, you know, yeah. and learn how to edit on your own, learn how to speak in front of a camera on your own, record yourself, speak. Yeah. I, I used to do those things. Um, there used to be this channel three where channel four, where the words came out and they scrolled. Yeah. I would read that daily. Right. Right. Read out loud daily. Hear yeah. your voice. Right. Write some stuff and try to do a ad lib. Yeah. You know, those types of things are important because those are the things that will stump you from going forward, because those are the things that I had to struggle through while I was in it. Right. Um, I wish that I had learned all of that prior to getting into it because I would have been the bomb from the beginning. Right. right. But it's OK, because I found a different way of learning all those things. And I just wanted to be a sponge so I can have my own company. I knew that that's what I wanted. Right. I knew that I wanted to be a host like Oprah, and I wanted my own company, yeah. and I knew that that's where I was headed, so I never dropped the ball on that, um, but I did do a lot of things on my own at home that nobody saw, and that was watching the news, learning how they did the news, how did they break it down, what are they saying, why are they talking like that, why are they asking that question, I was that kid, Yeah. and when you do that, then you start; it's a pattern that happens for you, but it's also something that is um, a habit or something that becomes natural for you. Yep. So when you're thrown into a live setting or something, you're ready for it. Because yeah. I was na- I was never ready for that kind of stuff, although I practiced. It's just, you know, these days you're able to get on Facebook. And do live live stuff on Facebook, yeah, and don't be afraid about what people think. I know we went to a c- coffee shop and we were talking, and I said to you at the very beginning, I remember having that fear, of, ah, people are listening <laughs> yeah. to me, they're watching me i can 't even talk i don't even know <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff After you have years to over- yeah, you, but you have to overcome those things, and I think when you do those things, those are stepping stones to what the bigger thing will be for you, yeah, and um and for some, I know they get into entertainment quickly, and so did I, but I think focus on. You know, learn how to tell a story, learn issues that are happening in your city, in politics, in government, in entertainment, in everything. Be v- really well-rounded in the sense of just l- learn to talk about things. Yeah. Right? So, but I would say, yeah, practice at home.
0: Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I often ask comedians. I say, like, why do you want to do this? Yeah. And, and the reasons are varied, right? From want to be on stage and I want to travel and I and I think... It's funny because I'm always positive, but I often think like, "Oh, this person's not getting it." If you think it's going to be this thing, it's It's not not this thing. So it's almost like, what are what are your original, what are your expectations going into this? And uh, that often will dictate whether or not you're going to have success in it. I think you know. It's true. Where's the fire kind of thing. Yeah. Well, Judy, thank you so much for doing this it's again next week. We'll have you back. You're okay. great. I mean, it's two <laughs> weeks in a row. Let's keep it going. Uh, Let's keep it going. I'm off to Texas tomorrow. So I nice. got to just buy um, maybe a, I don't know, like a bucket of sunscreen perhaps. Just you, I think that. you need some of that. And just you're
3: missing some stuff here. Lots going on anyway. Yeah,
0: I yeah. know. Yeah, Stampede's coming up here. So. Are you a Stampede what? person?
3: I'm a Stampede person. You
0: go down there? You hang out? You, you... know,
3: I don't. I shouldn't lie. This is so <laughs> not true. I used to cover Stampede in, you know, in heat, like the crazy heat. And I used to be at Nashville North and outside of the Coca-Cola stage and the friggin' you know, right. uh, the races and all the whatever. But um, do I go? Once in a while, I do. I like going to see who's who and what's going on. and But I don't like to go there all the time. But it is the thing to do when you're in Alberta, Calgary. Yeah, sure. You're going to... (laughs) but Texas <laughs> like, like it's cowboy stamp- town yeah. there right? it's
0: stampede all year round all year basically round. in Houston yeah yeah. So, um, yeah so I don't know there'll be none left by the time I get back no stampede left here but uh, <laughs> you know what there's always next year so I know, I know well thank you so much for doing this I really appreciate it thank you it's a right.
3: pleasure and I'll do it again we'll, we'll talk soon awesome bye. bye that's how it all started
1: like a whisper in your ear Told them you love them. They ran as fast as you could. It's not to be taken lightly. But then you never were. Your fingers bleeding, your body aches from the thunder in your heart. So you. chalk marked Like a good little soldier knew just what you were Can you give up now Can you turn this around Can you keep your heart beating How do you live when you don't know how So you laid on the line, blindfolded and chalk marked Like a good little soldier, knew just what you were